hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line ball to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morassi teeing off on one another. Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is a guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Let's call it like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer. He reaches in a right back runner. He's not Dan Grafton. He's just fought. Still Grafton. Oh, my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Still Grafton. This is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Vanderbush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. All right, Victor. He absolutely decked Jim Crate with a wild right. A sheer stagger by a big left hand. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode number 49 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who dropped the gloves and the fans who enjoyed watching them do it. This episode is kind of special. It was the very first live interview I ever did in the Enforcer Appreciation Group. I know the past couple solo episodes I had done, they were my first time ever going live, and they, well, no, I think it was the, the third time I ever went live, or I think it was three times total, but... Um, as far as really kind of dialing it in and getting a new camera, which I think I still got to tweak the quality on it a little bit. One thing that I know is hurting the camera quality uh, for the live interviews, at least if I just recorded and did it like, you know, and posted on YouTube would be a little bit different. But of course, you need a little bit uh, better Internet. And unfortunately, my laptop that I, you know, do all the all the talking and editing on and everything like that doesn't have an ethernet port so I, I was going to mainline it to my you know my you know my router or you know you know from the ethernet port that's the wall to the router but um I've been looking into it I think I can get like a USB adapter so I'll see if that actually works um it's not that expensive to invest in so uh, I say invest it's like fucking 7 bucks so hopefully down the line the quality will be a little bit better I think the the new camera definitely helped and I I can do some editing as far as the camera quality and kind of changing some of the the settings on it, like the contrast and sharpness and stuff like that. And I, I got a face made for radio anyway, so it's not like anybody really wants to see a high-quality uh, video of my mug anyhow. But um, nonetheless, I think, you know, I'll still work out the kinks, but I think overall it's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, if you're just tuning in and you haven't, obviously you could tell from the title, but I interviewed Howie Rosenblatt, former Quad City Mallard and Cincinnati Cyclone and um, played for the, uh, the, the Junior Bruins, the Providence Bruins down in the AHL. And uh, fought some tough, tough customers, and we tell some. He tells some great stories here, and it was a lot of fun doing this for, for a live interview. And how he's a guy I wanted to get on for quite some time, and once the pod went kind of on hiatus a little bit, and I I stopped it. He was one of the last guys I asked to come onto the show. Him and Rob Volterra, and actually another guy who I plan on getting on. Uh, this coming Friday and hopefully going live in the Enforcer Appreciation Group again for another interview. Um, if everything goes well so far, so good. I just called him called him on the phone today, and he's been real eager to come on. And, um, again, those those guys I said I was going to get on before, you know, stopping the pod altogether, I felt bad that I kind of dropped everything. So I, I really wanted to make sure I get them on first before anybody. Um, 
but I, I think it's so far the the feedback overall just on the live episode if you if you tuned into it was was a lot of fun uh, the feedback has been very great and people seem to really really enjoy it so I, I hope I'm hoping to do that more often literally as long as the um, as long as the guest has zoom you know the app uh, which I think a lot 90% of the population probably has zoom now with the covid um, how you know the workforce really t- took zoom head on and everybody started using it now and I, Skype is kind of dated unfortunately but Skype is good it's how I'm still able to record it if they don't have Zoom um, I'm still able to kind of call them via Skype so I have that up but um, I, I've done Zoom interviews before but I you have to pay for like the, you know the Zoom premium or whatever it's like 15 bucks a month nothing nothing crazy but that's how I'm able to go live and it gives you the option to actually go live in the Facebook group so that's how I was able to do that. Um, I won't try to make, I'm trying not to make this intro too, too long. We'll keep it under 10 minutes, hopefully. Uh, I mean, I, I could have gone on for another three hours with, uh, you know, Howie in the, in the group just talking. Cause we, once we covered this crew, we just started bullshitting for a little bit. It was just, it was, it was a school night and I couldn't, couldn't drink too, too much. We had two glasses of, uh, well, I mean, I don't know how many Howie had. I had two, two decently sized glasses of rum and, uh, <laughs> there, I, I think it's like 106 proof. So, I was like, "Ooh, I got I got work in the morning. I got I can't I can't be doing this, unfortunately." Um, but I, I definitely I'm gonna get Howie back on, and he's already said he wants to come back on. Um, it will just shoot the shit. Like we already covered his career, and you're, you'll hear it here in this interview. So I'll definitely be going live with him again, and uh, maybe we'll do it on a Friday night where we can really get after it a bit. Uh, that was that was on me. It was the one day I was able to record last week. Um, unfortunately, Friday night we had to drive all the way back to Tampa for the brother-in-law's going away party. So you could blame, blame my wife's side of the family for that one. That wasn't on me. Um, <laughs> but no, like I said, it was a lot of fun doing the live interview and I plan on doing a lot more in the future. And I, I, I think hopefully I won't say maybe the standard, cause obviously some guys might not want to go live and I may, I, I make sure beforehand, um, that we're, you know, they're okay with doing a live interview per se. One sec, let me get a swig of beer here. Um, so I think, like I said, it, it, it's going to be kind of the standard going forward um, as long as the guest is OK with that and they're cool with going live. I'll definitely do it because I think it's a lot of fun. You get a lot of fan interaction. And um, I want to give a quick shout out to Darren, of course, at the fourth line voice, um, not only with his podcast, which I'll get into here in a sec, but he helped me piece together some of uh, a little bit of how he's fight card. You know, I'm sure drop your gloves had a lot more of it. And that's where he was able to kind of piece some through from the IHL. And um, I think the AHL as well, he was able to piece together together a couple of them uh, from his playing days. And that was like Paul Laws and stuff like that, which we get into. So shout out to Darren for working the Wayback Machine for the old drop your gloves set. I try to, and it's just it kicks my ass every damn time, unfortunately. That's why we need a new fight site, which we go into, damn it, if people would go donate to the drop your gloves 2.0 that Steve is trying to go Um excuse me, that Steve is trying to get going here. We could have had a new site by now, damn it. And Howie's fight card probably could have been up there. But nonetheless, um, I'll, keep, I'll keep the link in the description of the podcast for that if you want to click it and go donate. And it's to make a new fight database. I know HockeyFights.com exists. Um, don't get me started on those guys right now. They actually really pissed me off. And it didn't even involve me. It's more so Darren over at Fourth Line Voice and William at the Biscuit, how they fight really kind of fuck them over and do their own thing now, but I'm not getting, uh, you know, that's not, it's not my business to get into. Um, you know, if they want to talk about it, they're more than welcome to talk about it, but I, that, I'll leave that, leave that up to them to talk about. Um, but basically how hockey fights really has a sour taste in my mouth and their sites, just the shits. And instead of focusing on a site, they put up a, uh, put up fucking cat videos now. So 
Um, anyways, that's, you know, aside from me getting angry at hockey fights, please go donate to the uh, Drop Your Gloves 2.0 site that Steve from WhenProbertWasKing.com is trying to uh, get started up here again. And um, hopefully we can get a new fight database, a bigger and better one going. Um, and another quick shout out to Jay out in Iowa, of course. And I know he tunes into pretty much every episode and uh, plan on visiting him because I'm visiting my family up there in uh, Iowa this summer. Or excuse me, not this summer, this winter uh, for Christmas. So definitely plan on stopping by and saying hi to Jay. I don't think there's any storm games going on. So unfortunately, we won't be able to go to any games while we're up there. Uh, they don't play any home games that week we're up there, I believe. Um, I'd have to double check, but I'm almost positive they don't have any games going on, unfortunately. But Jay was kind enough, and I think Jay's going to smoke something or you know cook up some steaks for us, and we'll probably just sit there, drink beer, and uh, watch fights or something like that, or go through. I don't know. I, I, I've, I'm meaning to ask him about it. And I want to see if he's cool with um because I'd like to start getting into YouTube a little bit more. I realize I could have recorded the interview with uh, Howie and uploaded it to YouTube. So hopefully. Going forward, I can, if you missed the live interview, it'll be on my YouTube page and I can record the interview and you'll see everything kind of going on from there. So I think that'll be a lot of fun too. So I'm really trying to expand the podcast in more of a video sense. So it's, it's you get a little bit more than just audio uh, per se. So we'll see going down the line here, but um, Jay really helped out with some of how he's uh, Mallard stuff and asking some questions uh, regarding the franchise and because, uh, of course, I was very young watching how he plays, so I wouldn't know all the nitty-gritty stuff. I just remember watching him play, and Jay was, uh, of course, nice enough to supply some questions and um, give me some uh, – uh, he had a couple fights that he was able to, uh, you know, dig up for me and help me uh, bring it to light and ask Howie about it. And, of course, uh, Howie was awesome, and, I mean, it was, a, it was such a fun interview. Had a lot of fun doing it. We went on for almost three hours there, so I believe by the time this intro is done, that this whole episode will be about three hours. So you have plenty of content to listen to for sure. Um, but you know, I'll, I think I'll start wrapping it up here for those listening. If you're if this is your first time tuning in, I encourage you to go back and check out the back catalog of mine. Um, you know, I have guys from every league, whether it's like the Southern Southern Pro Leagues, the old CHL, LNH, NHL. Um, the list goes on. I got, you know, Chris Nyland, Frank Bialois, Rob Ray, uh, Jason Renard, uh, LNH. I did a whole special. It's got Brad Lambert, Curtis Swanson. I've had Dan Tice on, um, Colonial League stuff, Jack Gregg, and as we just had Howie Rosenblatt. So, I mean, any league you're a fan of, chances are I've had a guy on from that league. So I encourage you to please go back and check it out. Um, and if you're into the fight, the fight scene and enjoy fights, um, not only is my podcast available, but of course, staring at the fourth line voice, as I mentioned, he just actually had, uh, you know, wham, bam, thank you, Cam, Cam Jansen on uh, and discussed his top five toughest opponents. Um, it, it, of course, with Cam, you know, he's like a. I forget what the hell Darren said, but basically you, all you got to do is hit record with Cam and the, the stuff writes itself. And, uh, you know, Cam Jansen's awesome dude. And. Uh, goes into some of the guys he fought, and uh, Darren's got a tremendous back catalog as well. Uh, Josh Mazur, Joey Tedarenko. Um, I know he's got another NHL cat coming up. I'm not gonna. I think. Well, I think it did he record it? I'm not gonna say it just in case. I think he did. I think it's already recorded. But a previous guest he had on to discuss their toughest five uh, was John Morasti, Steve McIntyre. The list goes on with Darren, and he does a tremendous job over there. He really, really gets all the nitty gritty details of guys and. Um, he was the original Enforcer podcast, so I encourage everybody to go check that one out. And uh, the other Enforcer podcast out there is, of course, Joe Lazito over at the Coliseum Chronicles, the Penalty Box. You can go check him out. And judging by the name, the Coliseum Chronicles, you can tell 
it is an uh, excuse me an enforcer podcast strictly for Islanders guys. So if they were you know involved in the Islanders farms teams, you know the Sound Tigers or what what have you, if the, if they were in the Islander system, Joe will go ahead and interview him. He's had guys like Eric, uh, excuse me, Aaron Asham, Eric Bolton. Um, a whole bunch of Jason Strudwick. I'm pretty sure he's had on. So it's been Joe's got a tremendous back catalog, and he hits all the all the deep cuts too. And he just had a lacrosse player on. And I forgive me, I cannot remember it for the life of me what his name was because I'm not into lacrosse. But it was actually a really fun interview to hear about it. And Joe's not a big lacrosse guy either. He just went into it um, because he plays for the oh what's the damn team the Riptide I think it is up there in New York. But it was actually a lot of fun. Lacrosse was something that. I, I tried to get into actually growing up, but it just wasn't big down in Florida, so there was no way to get into it really. And I was trying to look for leagues at one point, but you just there would it just was not big down here in, in Florida. So, um, but Joe does a tremendous job as well. Uh, his back catalog is insane. He's had uh, Dean Ewan on, uh, you know, brother of Todd Ewan. So go check out his back catalog. And you know, if this is the only time you listen to the podcast, because uh, you know you might be a friend of Howie or you know Howie, I appreciate you actually taking the time to tune in. And uh, give the podcast a try. If it's not your cup of tea, I do apologize. But hopefully you like it and you stick around. And, um, you know, like I said, go check out the back catalog or listen to future episodes. If you're a returning listener, I, of course, I genuinely appreciate your support and hope you uh, hope you get to see it whenever I go live in the Enforcer Appreciation Group. Um, I, it's not 100% set in stone yet, but I believe we're shooting for 730 this Friday. And I have an interview with a, a cat who played out in the uh, the old CHL and um, played with some really tough dudes. You played with guys like Brad Wingfeld and uh, Paul Ferone. So hopefully we can make it happen. And like, I've been trying to get him on for a while and just uh, we had scheduling issues. And then, of course, the podcast went away for a bit. But uh, this is going to be a really solid interview, I think. Um, super cool dude. So hopefully everything works out right and we can make another live interview happen in the Enforcer Appreciation Group. Uh, the last thing I will give you is just basically the social media outlets for the podcast. If you're looking to follow the podcast um, on Twitter, it's at, and then the number five. So the, I the, type in the actual number five and then four fighting pod Instagram, just type it out regularly five for fighting pod Facebook on here. Um, if it's not already, you know, tagged in, you're looking at this on Facebook, but it, just search five for fighting podcast and it should come up and you'll see, you know, the, podcast art or whatever, give it a like and a follow and you'll be up to date all the time on all the podcasts. Um, you know, updates and when episodes come out or even just some fun fight pictures I post here and there. Um, so you can definitely check it out. And last but not least, I just please encourage you if you like the podcast and if you, whether this is your first time listening or this is your, you know, you've been here with me for every episode, I encourage you, please do me a favor, rate and review the podcast. I think the podcast is finally getting back on its feet again and people are realizing it's back from what I can tell the numbers have gone up a little bit. Well, Especially with the interviews, they go up obviously because you know, that's what people. That's the that's the main event. That's what people are here for. They're not here to listen to me yap for X amount of time. But as I I say that as I wanted to keep this at ten minutes, and I'm almost going on fifteen here. Um, but yeah, please give it a, a you know a a thumbs up or whatever the hell it is. Five stars. It helps helps the podcast grow and it helps find the podcast when people type in whether it's apple or spotify you know let's say they type in hockey podcast it helps helps the podcast show up a little bit more and get more uh i guess recognition per se um so it'll it'll help out and hopefully we can help grow the show a little bit here and see how big we can make this thing i'm sure it won't go beyond you know four people in a burglar but hey 
maybe we'll get two burglars in there at one point. So who knows? But anyways, guys, thanks for listening. I will pass it over to Howie Rosenblatt and I during our live interview because that is the meat and potatoes and that is what everybody is here for. So I appreciate everybody for tuning in. Hope you enjoy this. And don't if you if you want me to keep doing live interviews, please let me know. Shoot me a shoot me a message or something. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of people enjoyed it. So um, anyways, without further ado, here we go. We will pass it over to Howie Rosenblatt. Thanks, everybody. This should be good. This should be very good. All right, and here for the first ever live show and the interview uh, in the Enforcer Appreciation Group, I'm here with a, a childhood player I used to watch growing up in the Quad Cities. He managed to rack up 1,862 penalty minutes, and that is one Mr. Howie Rosenblatt. Howie, how are you doing tonight? I look good. How are you doing, pal? Fantastic. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. And I know, I know you just had surgery not too long ago, and that was right before the show kind of stopped for a while, but now you're <laughs> you're back at it. So I'm glad I could finally do this interview with you. Yeah, no, we're working through it. I actually had uh, I had three surgeries in the last year and a half, all, all on my left hip. And basically Holy what God. happened was, yeah, I had a hip replacement. And uh, unfortunately, during the, during the surgery, uh, they had broke a bone off, a piece of bone off the top of the hip. Uh, oh, wow. And it ne- never healed right. So then I had to have a second surgery where they put two screws in. And I was still having difficulties with it. So the third surgery, believe it or not, they told me I had a couple of screws loose. And you can use that any way you want. And they, <laughs> so, they, so they took the screws out. They took the screws out. And now I'm on the mend. Uh, it's been six months since my last surgery. And we're starting to move around. And things are starting to get better. So hopefully we're all set. Well, that's good. I'm glad at least you're uh, you're on the road to recovery now, so that's good. Um, yeah. Well, you know, starting off before we get going a little bit here, what do you what do you do now um, after hockey? Um, well, I did a couple different jobs. Uh, you know, when I first, well, actually, when I was still in Quad Cities, uh, my first job there was working at Ericsson Chevrolet. Uh, oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, wasn't exactly. I wasn't really thrilled to become a car salesman. That's not exactly <laughs> what I wanted to do, but. It worked out because they were a sponsorship of the um, of the Mallards, and you know uh, they they seemed to take a liking to me. So it kind of was a, it worked out for for a bit. But then I took a job as um, the hockey director for a private company that ran the uh, Cedar Rapids ice rink uh, up in Cedar Rapids. There you go. So I moved up, moved up there for a couple of years, and uh, you know uh, just basically woke up one morning and figured it was time to you know c- come back to Rhode Island where I grew up and kind of get reacquainted with some of my childhood friends and family and whatnot. So I've been back here since then and did a couple of odds and end jobs. And I got fortunate. Uh, a buddy of mine introduced me to the fire industry, fire department. And uh, I, I was lucky enough to get on the job uh, in Pawtucket, Rhode Island as a firefighter. And I've been there since 2007. Awesome. It seems like a lot of a lot of former players like to get into the firefighting, at least the minor pro guys, of course, NHL is a little bit different. But I know uh, they got yourself. Yeah. I think I think Mel Engelstad does firefighting. And I think even Steve McIntyre, yeah. a former NHLer, uh, do they they all do firefighting. So it's kind of neat. Yeah. And actually, Rick Emmett, uh, former Mallet, Rick Emmett's down in uh, down south. I don't know if he's in Georgia or Alabama or somewhere down south. Forgive me. Uh, but I, I believe he's a firefighter, too. Oh, right on. Um, yeah. Well, I guess we'll hop into it. So you were actually born in Philadelphia, correct? Yeah, I was actually, I was born in Philadelphia. I think I spent all of maybe three days there. Um, <laughs> I was uh, I was adopted at birth. Um, my uh, my parents, who I consider my mom and dad, uh, they, they 
my mom couldn't have children, so they adopted a sister, my sister, who was three years older than me, and adopted myself. So it's an interesting story, um, you know, if, if you got time. <laughs> oh, yeah, go ahead. We got all the time in the world. But, I, you know, I, you know, uh, I, um, yeah, being adopted at birth and, and, and growing up in Providence, Rhode Island, not from an athletic family. My father was not an athlete. He was an engineering major, uh, dean's list out of Cornell University, and my mom was a registered nurse, uh, but not athletes, neither one. Um, and I, you know, I just was, I got into hockey at a young age at like three, three years old, four years old. And it all, because I was such a hyperactive kid that the doctors were like, you need to get him, you need to get him running around. You need to get him into sports where he's running. So I was doing soccer, hockey. Um, I was always in, I was always into mischief, getting into trouble. And so hockey, I started playing hockey and it really became a big passion of mine. Well, right on. Um, so you, well, I, I noticed that you started off playing, uh, I guess, not junior, but playing kind of college hockey. Um, yeah. How did you get into that? Well, I, you know, in Rhode Island back in the day, youth hockey, the high school hockey in, in, the, in the mid early, early 80s, through, all the way through the early 90s, um, the high school hockey in Rhode Island was was booming. I mean, we we had, so, you know, Brian Lawton was from here. Uh, Paul Gay was from here. Keith Carney. Garth Snow went to Mount St. Charles, you know, Dave and Emma, Rob Goodrow, Steve King. I, I mean, there's just a number of NHL guys that have come through here. And then there's a bunch of minor league guys, uh, myself, uh, Mike Murray, a few others uh, uh, that I'm probably um, – actually, Steve Sanjamano, who played for us with the Mallards from yep. Rhode Island. But So it was a big hockey bed back then. But I wasn't fortunate to uh, – to go to the the big high schools where they produce these these scholarship division one guys and and NHL draft picks, um, being from again non non athletic family and my family didn't really understand the path it took to get to the higher levels and I really my goal was to play professional hockey and hopefully one day play in the NHL and um, I ended up going to the local public high school which was probably division three. Yeah, I think there was three divisions of Rhode Island high school hockey and we were division three. Uh, and I was told by a lot of people that if I didn't go to Mount Henrik and LaSalle or leave home to go play prep or go play junior, that I most likely would not go on to play college hockey. Um, so there, there was a lot of, let's just say there was a lot of fights at home uh, between my mom and dad and myself. I uh, just, I was just wanted to did whatever it took. I wanted to get it done. Um, so you know, things started shaping up at, at my high school, Shea High School in Pawtucket. Had a lot of friends there, and, you know, they seemed to be excited to have me there as a hockey player. So, you know, I was kind of like, you know what? Uh, if this is how I got to do it, then I'll do it. Um, and I had a coach one year, Joe Augustine, who was a Hall, he's a Hall of Famer out of Boston College and played some pro hockey uh, in the minors. And, and he really helped me and influenced me a lot to get me on, on the right path. Uh, and I ended up walking on from there. I ended up walking on to Merrimack College. Um, you know, my, my goal became to want to play in hockey East or Division One college hockey. And you know, I, I I was getting some looks at Boston University and, and Yale University, but <laughs> Yale was not even in the picture because I didn't have the grade. I was a C minus student. I did I did what I had to do just so I could stay eligible to play hockey, honestly. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I. Uh, I, I walked on at Merrimack. I was going up to um, play in the Boston Summer Leagues, the Pro-Am and the Pro-Elites. 
that were run by some local scouts here, you know, from some of the NHL teams. And uh, I, you know, it was probably the best thing I did because it started getting me playing with some of those better players. You know, Jeremy Roenick played in that. Tony Amante played in that. Sean McKechnie. All there, there's so many. There was so much talent in this Massachusetts and Rhode Island area back then. Um, so it really was helpful for me to get acclimated to playing at a higher level again. And 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 uh, Merrimack basically. I played. I made the varsity team my freshman year, but I only played three games. Played pretty much JV. Same thing happened my sophomore year. Played maybe seven games and then uh, mostly JV. And they, the coaching staff told me after the season was over um, that, you know, next year, you know, it's your make or break. If you don't, we have you penciled in. We're going into Hockey East and you're a physical, rugged right winger. We have you penciled in um, to play, but there's no guarantees. And if you want to continue your hockey career, you know, if you want to go to transfer to a good division two school we'd be more than happy to help you and make the calls and, and, and help you out there and I and I looked at both Ron, Ron Anderson was our head coach and Stu Irving was our assistant and I looked at those two and just said I came to Merrimack because I, my goal was to play division one college hockey and then try to play pro so I'm, I said I'll do whatever I have to do in the summertime and work out and I'll, I'll see you guys in the fall and they kind of chuckled and looked at each other and said well, we figured that would be irresponsible they wanted to be upfront with me which I always respected that they were very honest um, with me on that. And uh, I ended up going back for my junior year. It was on the first line, uh, was third in the team in scoring. And uh, that was the year that I, they, they still had, the NHL still had the supplemental draft for late bloomers that were college kids that were playing in, in the U.S. college. And so I got picked up by the Boston Bruins. And, um, you know, I went back for my senior year and finished again third, third in the team in scoring. And, um, I did. I did. Believe it or not, I did, I did lead lead the league in penalty minutes that year. College thirty <laughs> I was, games. I, I was going to ask how you how you kind of got into the fighting <laughs> a little bit there because, uh, you know, you're looking at it. You played 31 games in in college uh, that that final year, and you you led the league with 118 pims. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think the next person that was close to me was, um, oh, uh, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Played at Boston College. Oh, uh, <laughs> see, see what happens when you get concussions. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's funny as as much as like you know, I, I would I'd be more likely to know more about junior hockey up in Canada than I am about college hockey down here in the states for some reason. Hey, no, I mean I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. I mean, Jesus, he was an NHL All Star. He played at Boston. He played at uh, Boston College. Was Pittsburgh Penguins. Played at the Bruins towards the end of his career. Um, geez, I just saw, I just saw him maybe like a year ago. <laughs> Well, anyway, hey, that's a great story. That's for another day. It'll, it'll come back to me. It'll right. come back to me. But um, yeah, he he was uh, behind me, and, and I think I was I think I was behind him in goals scored like by three or four goals, and and they had played like twelve more games than we did. So I it was it was, I, it was a good senior year for me, you know. Uh, but then yeah, so then after that, I went to Bruins camp, and so things kind of took off from there. But I I, I know I'm getting ahead of myself because. You did ask a question as far as um, how did I get into the whole fighting thing? And I, and I heard that a lot coming from, you know, when, you know, when I first turned pro, my first pro fight was with Jim Cummings. I was playing with the Maine Mariners uh, and Jim was playing for Adirondack at the time. And I, I got, I squared off with him at center ice. And, you know, I, I mean, it was my first pro fight. So there was definitely a lot of butterflies. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, 
but I held my own. I held my own and everybody was kind of like, where'd you play junior? Nobody ever heard of you. You know, and I took that as a compliment. And I said, I went to college, you know, and uh, I remember the equipment guy came in for or train, a trainer for Adirondack came in and because, uh, you know, they're throwing out the game, I think, for instigating or what it was. And uh, he came in and see if I needed any ice packs or anything like that. And he was like, hey, he goes, you did a great job. That's that's one of the toughest guys in the league. You know, so I was, it was a, it was a, it was a good start. And I, I figured that it's better not knowing who my opponents are until afterward. Right, I was you know, going to ask if you happen to knew who you were yeah. you were dro- dropping the gloves with at the time because I'm sure Cummins started. He probably had a rep at the time already. Yeah, no, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. And uh, again, like you know, I know a lot of the guys coming through the junior junior ranks. You know, they're fighting all the time, and they get, they get to know each other, so they get, they know their niche right away for the most part. You know, coming out of college, I mean, I did have my share of fights. I mean, I grew up. I mean, you know, people always say like, you know, we're not on skates, you know, and I'm like, well, I grew up. On, on, in a in a area in, in Providence where it was a good neighborhood, but where I went to school wasn't the nicest neighborhoods, and there was a lot of fights. and And from a little kid, I always stuck up for the kid who couldn't stick up for himself. And if anybody was going to try to bully anybody or bully me, I was going to stand up for myself as well. Um, I, I I don't want to say because I don't think I was this way as a player, but I don't think I ever went and instigated anything. I was basically out there playing just playing hard up and down my wing, um, finishing every check, you know, blocking shot, doing whatever I had to do to help the team out. And, and I, I grew up watching guys like Terry O'Reilly and, and those guys, and, and that was my idol. And, uh, you know, I figured, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to go run around and hit everybody sooner or later, someone's going to tap you on the shoulder. And if, you know, if you want the reputation or you want the respect from your peers and teammates, you know, you really do need to answer the bell if, if you're going to play that way. No, for sure. And, um, well, you know, you brought it up with Bruins training camp. Uh, well, first off, before we get into training camp, what would it like to know that you just got drafted by the Bruins? Um, at the time, <laughs> at the time, it was a dream come true. I, um, I mean, being a, being a Phil, I was Bruins fan and a Phillies fan, uh, Flyers fan, which is, you know, if you look at those two teams back in the seventies, yeah, you, you can see why I was a fan of theirs. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I've always wanted to play for the Bruins. Like I said, Terry O'Reilly, I used to carry a Terry O'Reilly hockey card since I was like maybe eight years old, nine years old um, in my, in my, in my jacket. Every time I went to play a game, you know, I kept it all through uh, high school, college, and I had it with me for most of my pro career it would be in my locker. <laughs> you know, so I carried that with me and I, and, 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 you know, I used to read up on Terry O'Reilly and the type of player he was the type of teammate he was and I really was trying to emulate that type of player. Um, so whether I achieve that or not, it's up to everybody else to, to decide. But, um, you know, that was that was a guy that I really tried to model myself around. Oh, I mean, not a bad player to model yourself around at all because um, he could do it all, kind of, you know, put up points and uh, throw, throw down when he had to as well. So Terry O'Reilly is definitely a solid dude to uh, emulate yourself after. Um, so, you know, going into training camp, and of course this is – 1990 91 ish going into training camp did you get any fights right off the right off the rip in there (laughs) you know it's funny you say that because i got a great story and i'm gonna light my cigar go ahead so training camp with the bruins lasted all of 34 seconds i'm guessing Oh, really? 
Yeah, I um, all the guys from Merrimack, the training camp was right down the road, 20 minutes from Merrimack College. So all the guys were coming down to see me my first training camp day. You know, we, we had a, our first scrimmage, you know, the first day. And um, I was so jacked up on adrenaline, just, I mean, I, I must have been going a million miles an hour. I tried to, I, I, the puck got dumped into the corner and um, I went a million miles an hour. I tried, I tried to, I tried to put the guy right out of 93. I, I tried to check him through, through the, through the boards, everything. Uh, came back out to neutral zone. Uh, a good friend of mine now, and, and, a, and, a, and a guy I knew going in was Chris Winnis. And Chris Winnis was coming through the neutral zone with the puck, and I tried to hit him so hard. And for whatever reason, I tried to come down on his hip with my stick and my, like, you know, the top of my, you know, stick and wrist right into his hip. And I snapped the stick in half at the, at the end of the, at the end of the um, shaft where the handle was, and I broke my wrist. And um, I, I felt it, but I had so much adrenaline going on that instead of getting off the ice, I actually went to the bench and they were telling me, get off, get off. And I said, no, no, give me another stick. Give me a stick. And I grabbed another stick and I could barely hold on to the top of it. And I, then I got, I got, I got off before I got killed because if the puck came to me, you know, I just couldn't, I had not, yeah, it was not, it wouldn't have been good. So I ended up lasting all 34 seconds and came back like two days later. And I was in the locker room looking for my gear and everybody's looking at me, what's he doing? And uh, the trainer, the trainers came over, the equipment guy came over. He's like, Howie, what are you doing? I said, I was, I got it casted. I'm ready to go. And so they had the <laughs> coaching staff had to kind of come over and tell me, like, hey, listen, Howie, we know what you can do. We've seen you play for the last three or four years. We know what you're capable of doing. Um, we have, we have, you know, there's going to be a spot for you when you get the cast off, there's a spot for you up in Maine and we'll see where it goes from there. And they gave me like a check for $500, my first pro check, $500 from the Boston Bruins. And, uh, and, um, I went home and waited for the cast to come off. I was skating with the Merrimack guys a lot to stay in shape. And then when the cast came off, I went up to Maine and played like two or three games with them. Like, you know, the one game I played was with Adirondack, against Adirondack, and that was when I had the fight with Cummings. And the next game I played, I think, was against Baltimore Skipjacks. And I, th I think I saw like one or two shifts. And uh, EJ, I think it was EJ McGuire was the coach that year. I, I think it was EJ. And um, he pulls me in the office after one of the practices, and he says, hey, um, he goes, listen, how he goes, I'm not sure if your wrist is still bothering you or what, but you, you know, you just don't seem to be handling the puck very well. So I think we, we were going to send you down to Johnstown. And I looked at him, I kind of laughed. I go, I go, EJ, I don't know what kind of scouting report you got on me, but I'm not known for my hands. I'm not a, <laughs> stick, I'm not a good stick handler. I, you know, I like to keep it straight up and down, you know, but uh, yeah, a little funny story about it. It was, it was, it was a great time. And, you know, um, I ended up not signing with them and I ended up going to Cincinnati. That's when I went to Cincinnati. I, I opted not to go to Johnstown. Cincinnati was offering me like $50 more a week and, and a car, well, there uh, you go. like a, rent, a, a rental car, a little sunbird convertible and, <laughs> uh, and you know, nothing against the people of Johnstown. It was always a tough place to go in and play, but if you had your choice between going to Johnstown and, and Cincinnati, you know, uh, I think I made the right choice there, even though, to this day, Steve Carlson, when I do see Steve Carlson, who coached there, one of the Hanson brothers in the movie, but he coached at, he was the coach at Johnstown. He's still bitter at me about that. 
He's like, you know, I could have got you in the NHL if you came here. And, he, and then he pulls me aside. He's like, tell me the truth. Because they give you a car, you can tell me. So I go, yeah, you know what? Now that there's so many years gone, I said, yeah, they gave me a you know a convertible Sunbird. Where he goes, God damn, I knew it. Fuck those guys. <laughs> Uh, oh, so. that's great you gotta love my, uh, the, the incentives of minor pro hockey <laughs> didn't take much it didn't take much back then everybody you know and again that was an eye-opening experience to me because um i didn't know what to expect um and you know when i went to cincinnati i i was fortunate to play with some of the likings of at, at the time the first year was like steve shaughnessy guy chris marshall kevin kerr Rob Krause. Look at that. You're, um, you're in my notes. You literally just listed off all four guys I had listed on here <laughs> to ask you about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, it made me realize, like, you know, especially the guys who come come from, from Canada and, and the junior programs where they leave home at such a young age, you know, they don't have anything to fall back on. And if they don't make it at any level, they don't care the money. They don't care. They don't – if they don't make it at any level, they go back. They work in the, in the mill or – or, or, or the factory or, you know, or, you know, places where, and it's, it's a true story because back in the East coast league, when I got there and, and it was cleaning itself up than what it was years, a couple few years before I got there. But I'll tell you, if you don't pay attention and you don't stick up for yourself, a guy, guy will definitely cross check you and take your teeth out or, or literally put a stick right in your eye. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. It's, if it it's was, you or him. It's, it's, it's either yeah. him or you. And, you know, so I, I was fortunate that, you know, I fit in good with those guys, but my style of play is really what carried me. I think if I was just trying to be a player and I was timid out there, I obviously I would have never made it. Right, and I was gonna say, uh, or excuse me, ask you if you if you saw like a noticeable difference going to the coast when they still had, um, you know, this is back in the back of the day where they every team probably had like three three guys on it that could really drop the gloves if they wanted to. So, was that hard for you to adjust going from college to the coast like that? Or did you did you kind of just adapt and just say, you know, fuck it, I'm still going to drop the gloves? Yeah, no, I think, honestly, I think even, even my college coaches and the few scouts that I knew, um, you know, they, they always felt that I was probably going to be a better professional player than a college player. The game was more suited for me. You know, and I think if I, if I had gone to play junior – um, I think a lot of things would have been different for me, but, you know, I, you know, hindsight, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I met a lot of great people and I think, I think my, the path I had to take, you know, and I think and we're just summarizing on everything, but the path I had to take wasn't an easy one and I had to work hard and I think it built more character for me, you know, and, and things that, you know, you, you know, down the road, life after hockey, you know, handling dealing with adversity and, and you know if you want something bad enough you you got to work harder because i always i always felt that there was somebody out there working harder than me so i better work i better keep going you know instead of just kind of getting content right exactly and well moving on to the next year that you um that you had over in cincinnati i know you fought a tough dude and i, I gotta thank my my buddy darren for kind of uh digging up your fight card a, a little bit here um as you know, it'll drop your gloves gone. It's really, I don't know if you, did you ever go on drop your gloves by any chance? That old website, it was like a hockey fight database. I saw some site, but it seemed like it didn't have a lot of my fights. It, it, it seemed like there was a lot of fight. And again, I'm not sure what site it was. And I'm not sure how many sites there actually are of that. Um, but it seemed like there was a lot of fights that I remember that weren't even on there. 
Right. Well, you know, just just for you know, kind of off the cuff here. Um, you know, yeah. who do you remember fighting in the coast? Do I remember? No, like who? Yeah, who do you remember fighting? Oh, hold on, I got, I got my cheat sheet over here. I know, I, I know homework. one of them that my buddy Darren was able to dig up, and that was uh, I know you fought Paul Laws a bunch of times. Yeah, no, and that's that's a Paul Laws and I have a. Well, I think it's a fun story. Um, I have so much respect for Paul, and um, you know, I'd like to get into that. You know, down the road, like you know, as we go, because there's a lot more to it that goes into my, you know, the IHL years, uh, but. You know, I, you know, going back to these Coast League, you know, some of the tough guys that I had fought that were, I mean, there's probably, there's, I got a list of make maybe 18, 19 guys here. Um, but uh, some of the tougher guys that you would probably know would be like a Bob Bugner. Yep. Um, you know, Trevor Buchanan, Brad Treliving, Barry Drager, Phil Crow, Columbus, Columbus just had a nasty team. I mean, that was a scary team. Terry Ruskowski was the coach. And every time we went into Columbus, it, you knew you were fighting at least two or three times. Um, you know, Pat Bingham, uh, you know, uh, Rob Melanson, who I, my first fight with him, uh, he was in the coast and then it carried into when he was with Cleveland in the IHL. But yeah, no, uh, that next year in the IHL, I met up with Paul Laus very early in the season. It was our first exhibition game, Cincinnati and Cleveland. Obviously, being two Ohio teams, there's a little rivalry there. And um, it was an exhibition game in Cincinnati. And I don't, again, not knowing who anybody is. I'm just going out there and I'm going to go up trying to make the team. Um, trying to make the team at the IHL. And I just remember going up and down my wings, finishing all my checks. And Paul Laus had the puck in the corner and I came barreling in. And I just, he must have been maybe four feet off the boards in the corner and I, and I hit him and, and knocked him like right off his feet. And I don't think he was expecting that because I don't think Paul gets hit a lot, you know, or they, right. I think people, people respect Paul enough to where, you know, they don't want to mess with him and leave him alone. They're not going to run him like I did. So I, I ended up running. I mean, now I'm going back on the back check and, and, and I'm looking over my shoulder and I can see this guy barreling down. And so I'm skating, I'm skating away, coming up. I was, he's, he literally was chasing me around. So I'm like, all right, well, this is one of those things where if I'm going to run around hitting people, this guy wants to fight me, I got to fight him. So I, I, I turned and stopped, dropped the gloves, and I don't think he really knew I was a lefty at the time. And, I, and I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a prominent lefty. My prominent hand is my right, but for whatever reason, without thinking the instincts, I started throwing lefts. And I don't think he expected me to be throwing lefts. And I hit him like two or three times and knocked them knocked him over on his back and I'll, i always remember this as we were skating to the penalty box he was steaming he's like you fucking rosenblatt he goes every time we play you guys this year you and i are fucking going you better be ready <laughs> I, I looked at him and started smiling i was like sounds good to me because that means i made the team <laughs> <laughs> i was like yeah sure that's that's the price i gotta pay sure you know and sure enough sure enough paul and i must have fought i don't know we played probably 12 times or something we must have fought eight times i'm not i'm not 100 like it was like every game like you know and again i was a guy who was like go out and play see how see what happens see how the dictates you know see how the game starts playing out the team needs a spark or whatever but I was never one to be like, okay, the start of the draw, we're just going to drop the gloves and go. So I remember one game we were playing in Cincinnati and he's like, he's lined up as a winger. 
on the face off. And he, and he goes, you ready to go, Howie? And I'm like, well, you, see, you want to see how the game plays out? You know, he's like, well, we know it's going to happen either way. So why don't we just get it done now? And I, and I was my early in my career, the first three years or so, I didn't back away from anybody. If I get challenged, win or lose, if I get challenged, I was going to fight. Um, and so we, we ended up, I think we fought twice that game, you know? So yeah, we had a little bit of a rivalry. Um, and again, not knowing who he was and, and we had some really good fights throughout, um, you know, um, I don't think either one of either one of us got the like complete dominance of each other. It was always good fights. He was a gamer. I was a gamer. You know, I wasn't a defensive fighter. I wasn't a technical fighter. I was just one of those guys that I'm going to drop the gloves. I'm going to reach to grab for you. I'm going to throw with one of the hands and I'm, I'm going to hit you. You're going to hit me. I understand that, and we'll see who ends up on top at the end of it. But win or lose, at the end of the fight, you're going to know you were in a fight. No, for sure. You know? There you go, going toe to toe. That's the way to do. I mean, you know, some people might not look at it as the smartest way to fighting, but I mean, toe to toe fights are just everybody loves them. How do how do you not like them? No, I. You know what? I've had when later in my career, I some of the newer guys come up to me after practice and say, you know, hey, Howie, can you help me out? I want to fight. You know, just take care of myself. I really wasn't good at that. You know, I really wasn't good at that because to me, it was all, it was all in the heart, you know, it was the desire not to lose, you know, and it was a challenge. And I took, I mean, I took, I took some beatings. Um, I, I, I would like to say that I, I of all the fights I've had, I think I, I would like to say I won more than I lost. Or I wouldn't have done it for 10 years. Um, but um, no, I, I, I ran across a couple of big heavyweights that, you know, got the better of me and just off the bat link gates you know uh, and that's i can tell a story too about link gates and and the team when i was with the providence bruins and uh serge serge Engelhart, he got me pretty good um and there was a kid I, and i can't remember who it was but he, he was in raleigh and i had just gotten traded from charlotte to greensboro of all places and uh, brubaker loved me at the time um he loved me at the time we had we had a rocky relationship unfortunately but um so he traded me for daryl norin and um and i know i'm getting i know you like to go through probably from year to year and i'm just jumping hey man you're the you're the get you any way you want to steer it i don't care man it's all good (laughs) um but um so i was playing in charlotte because i got sent there from providence and then you know another another incident happened in charlotte which i'll get into afterward another good story you'll like this one um but Jeff Brubaker loved me so much that he traded their captain and top goal scorer, Daryl Norman, who was an all-star, great player, great team guy. Everybody loved him. And we're down the road in Charlotte. Everybody hates us in Greensboro. The way I play, they hate me. You know, we had many fights. So I get traded of all places to Greensboro. And I go there. So I'm like, my first game, I got I to gotta get, I got to do something here, you know. And we had a tough team. Jeff Brubaker who always loved his tough guys and, and knew how to put a team together to win. Um, so we're playing Raleigh. And I remember like dropping the gloves in front of the Raleigh net minder uh, with somebody, a defenseman or something. I don't know. But before I knew it, I had three cuts. I was down on the ice, got, got, got my bell rung pretty good. Got, was down on the ice bleeding. I had three different cuts. I, I, I could have sworn he had brass knuckles on. I don't know. I don't even know who it was. You know, which I wish I wish I did, but I'm drawing a blank on it. 
you know, I know I had some good fights with a couple guys there. Uh, um, Doug Bacon was a guy I got a good fight with, but that was, I think, I think when I fought Bakes, I was, I was sent down into uh, Birmingham for a little bit and I got a fight with him there and we had a pretty good fight, but, um, yeah, no, I can't remember, but he was a tough kid. I forget who it was, but he was a real tough kid. And I don't know if anybody out there, I don't know if you could look that one up and see who it was, but yeah, it was my first fight in Greensboro and we had a tough team, you know? Yeah. The old site drop your gloves probably had it, but man, it's with that site gone. That was like the best one to to look stuff up on it's gone now unfortunately we're trying to bring it back we're trying to do like a gofundme for it so hopefully people out there listening will all right yeah oh yeah yeah we're well we found out well i shouldn't say we i should credit it to steve who runs a a website called when probert was king.com and uh that's a really good website he does like fight reports and does like year by year on like it's it's insane the amount of detail that he goes into but yeah we found it's gonna cost like 10 grand to get a website back up so to design it and make it everything so it's it's crazy but um so I, I do have to ask you about this, though, and this happened out in Birmingham. Um, and I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about because I can tell by that smile oh, on your on, face. It was on my list of things to talk about. Absolutely. I mean, that was a big change. That was a big turn in my career. Absolutely. Yeah, well, go ahead go and fill, fill the people in for uh, for those who might not know what we're talking about here. Well, you know, as, as a young player, still as a young professional, it was my second year, and I made the IHL team. And I was actually doing pretty good with Cincinnati. I was I was fortunate to be a fan favorite with 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 a number of other guys, but I was very fortunate to uh, to be a fan favorite in Cincinnati. And you know, um, you know, Wildman Walker, who was our PA announcer, um, nicknamed me the Legend, and that kind of took off. And you know, we'll talk about other stuff, the hockey card, and everything else later on. But so I was feeling pretty comfortable there, and that's that was probably the mistake. You know, I was having a good season, fought a lot of tough guys in the, in the IHL um, and was really kind of feeling like I was starting to make my move to the next levels. And um, Dennis DeRoger, who, who loved me at the time, now he doesn't talk to me, unfortunately. I love Dennis. I have a lot of respect for Dennis and wish things went a little differently. But, um, you know, we had a tough year that year at the IHL. Um we, we, we didn't make the playoffs. We, we struggled a lot. And um, Dennis, Dennis, from time to time, would, would kind of single out a player. You know, and, and this, was, this was coming into, I, would, I want to say, late February maybe or early March. And um, it was my turn to get singled out. And I kind of lipped lip, lip off back to him a little bit. And uh, – the next, next thing you know, the next day I find myself uh, on the bus with Birmingham going to Erie, Pennsylvania. And so what Dennis told me was that he felt that my game was starting to struggle and I needed to maybe go with them for a little bit and get my confidence back and, and, and whatnot. So I, I joined the team as they were coming through Cincinnati. I joined up with them. We went to Erie, played two games in Erie, and I had six points in the first two games with them. And I was like, I feel pretty confident. I'm feeling good. (laughs) (laughs) And I started hearing some rumblings that because it was the same ownership, they were sending me down to help Birmingham make the playoffs because they were kind of borderline making the playoffs. (coughs) Excuse me. And being a young professional and not knowing and understanding the things that I learned to grow and understand, um, I kind of, 
took it as if like I was being a scapegoat to why the IHL team, the Cyclones team wasn't good and why we didn't make the playoffs. And now it's showing everybody that I was, I was a weak link to the team. And, you know, so um, I had a bad attitude. I had a bad attitude. I was frustrated. Um, I kind of shut it down a little bit, um, which wasn't fair, wasn't fair to, to my teammates or my coaches. And, you know, just, what was the one thing I wish I could take back. So anyway, long story short, I was getting benched because of my attitude. You know, uh, Phil Roberto was the head coach and Bruce Garber was the assistant coach. And uh, I was getting starting to get benched. And I remember Phil and I went and had lunch one day and he said, listen, Howie, I know what you're going through. Blah blah blah. And we had a good sit down and I told Phil that I was sorry. I said, you know what? I'm going to play hard. I promise we go to, uh, we go to play up in Louisville and um, I was trying to play hard, but I was having a bad, I was just having a bad game. I couldn't get out of my own way and I was trying to play hard, but I think Phil took it as I was, you know, I was fucking the dog and, you know, as an, that's an expression that we use. Um, <laughs> right. Not, not literally. Yeah. Uh, not literally people. <laughs> not literally. Yeah. It's, you know, just you know, hockey people know what I'm talking about. Um, and so I got benched and in Louisville, it's an old, rodeo uh, facility you know so they're from from the uh, ice surface to the stand uh, to the locker room you have to walk it's like a yellow rope you're walking by the concession stands you're walking like a good 20 yards to to through the crowd to your locker room oh. are you there yep you got me yeah hold on somebody is trying to call me i'm all right let me get you back there we you go. there okay yep all good um, so I'm like the last guy to leave after getting benched after the set, like during the second period. So I'm the last guy to leave the ice. Now Louisville fans remembered me from when I was in Cincinnati and East coast league from the year before. So obviously there was, you know, fans there that would heckle me and, you know, Hey, listen, when you, when you play a certain role, you're going to get heckled when you go on the road. If you, and if you're not, you're not doing your job. So I didn't mind it, but when it was a face and face encounter, and so we're guy was heck, a couple guys were drinking, heckling me, and we were like face to face. And I, I, I was, I had no intentions of getting into any type of altercation. I just was going to blow some steam off and chirp a little back at them. And so I was just chirping back and forth with them a little bit. But all the security guards, all the security came and was grabbing me and pulling me away. And but not no nobody went towards the fans and said enough, back off, that's enough. So as they're pulling me away, they're still egging me on, egging me on, and out of out of a crazed out of a crazed bad moment, I took my stick and I threw it like a spear and, and, and ended up catching the guy and in the face. I guess I, I guess it broke his nose, but I didn't even wait to see because as soon as I threw the stick, I, I broke away from the uh, security guards. I ran down through the through the back of our locker room, back up around the concession stand and came out the other side running on the cement and as soon as they saw me they they, they ran took off and um you know i ended up spending the the, the the third period in the locker room and then i was suspended indefinitely I, I didn't didn't travel with the team anymore nothing and it cost me it cost me my job and it cost me my job in cincinnati for sure um and it ended up costing me I'm, I'm almost 100% positive this is what cost me my job with the Hartford Whalers because the following year I was in Hartford. So that was that was just that was just a bad time and, and I look back at it, you know, and 
I guess if you and I and I, I, I want to say I don't have any regrets because of because of the path it, it, it took me to the people I met and the teammates that I ended up meeting up with and but as far as on a personal level my career itself I think for sure it hurt me you know because I I, right. I was now I was confident I had a great camp with the Hartford Whalers I was supposed to sign Pierre Maguire which I don't want to get into with him because I don't really care for the guy. He's, I think he's just a liar. And, and, but I haven't heard any good things, any good things about the guy from any pro guys that I know of, but no, Pierre McGuire became the GM that year of Hartford. And uh, he, he's told me, he pulled me in his office and told me, he goes, you know, we got a couple of guys that have been on our, in our organization for a few years and they're getting older and we, we like what we're seeing from you. And we think you could, you could replace that role. You know, we want to sign into a contract. So I'm thinking I finally got a good break. Sure enough, the next day pulls me in the office like, hey, listen, um, we're going to we got a place for you in Raleigh. You play. We're going to put you in Raleigh, but we're going to let you go home from now. And when Raleigh opens up camp. You, you can uh, report down there. So I thought that was kind of odd, because if you're having a good camp with the NHL team, you're not even going to the American League team in Springfield. Like it was weird, and I couldn't understand it. So I started making my own phone calls, and I called John Rattel up from the Bruins, who was, who was one of the guys that was him and Joe Lyons were the two guys that were behind me getting drafted by Boston. And we had just played an exhibition game against Boston. It's like a, it was more of a rookie game, I think, you know. Um, but I ended up scoring. I think I had a goal assist and I had two fights and I, and I, and I, and I, I, I fought Jason Clark and I fought Mark major. And so I knew I had a good going and I was confident, you know, uh, how I was playing and, and, and fighting. And uh, so I called them up and they said, well, we, we saw you play the other day and we were really impressed with how you, you, you know, you're starting to grow as a, into your own player, and, you know, and you're developing. How would you like to play in Providence? And I said, I would love to play in Providence. That's, that's my hometown. I said, you know, um, absolutely. They said, well, let me call Mike Milbury and we'll call you back in, in five minutes. Sure enough, two minutes later, Michael Connell calls me at home and says, hey, Howie, you know, if you can get here tomorrow morning at eight o'clock and get, you know, we'll get you geared up and all that stuff, get your gear and everything. And, you know, we're going to sign you to like a 25 game tryout or whatever it was. I forget what it was now, but um, I said, absolutely. So, you know, our first, our first exhibition game was against Springfield. And I'm walking into the Dunkin' Donuts Center, well, the Civic Center back then. I'm walking in, and there, I see all the guys. And they're like, Howie, what are you doing here? You know, I'm like, I have no idea. I, they let me go. And and even the, the equipment guy was like, Howie, we have your your stall is waiting for you in Springfield. What happened? And, and I, I was like, I really don't know. So the only thing that I could come to conclusion looking back at everything is that they probably got wind that there was a warrant out because what happened, that's how I ended up losing my job in Providence because the warrant for my arrest came out in November. And Providence said, hey, listen, you're playing regularly for us. We love what you're doing. Um, but you got to go take care of this. You know? Right. Um, we'll, give, we'll give you a leave, a leave with pay. Go take care of it and come back and we'll, we'll get going again. So I went out there and I, I, I basically had to empty out my bank account to all these people. I mean, there was an off-duty officer who was retired, off-duty retired officer who claims he had an elbow injury from the incident and he wanted money. Um, the guy broke his nose. He wanted money. Now, I didn't have a lot of money in my bank account, but everything I had was gone for sure. 
And uh, when I came back to Providence, they sent me down to Charlotte. And I, I spent most of the season down in Charlotte. I came up to Providence at the end of the year. And, um, you know, having, you know, my first game back, I think, was against Adirondack. We got a really good scrap with, uh, with Barry Potomsky, um, which was, was, a, was a good scrap. He Because he was up in L.A. and doing his thing in the NHL for a bit. And I, don't, I forget if it was after that or before, but... You know, him and I had a good scrap, and uh, I and I had some points when I got back. I, I, I was putting up some numbers too. So, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, things didn't work out there either. Well, no, it happens, and I think actually that that Potomsky fight is on YouTube. I think people can go check that one out if they wanted to. There's very limited yeah. Howie Rosenblatt footage on YouTube, unfortunately. Um, yeah, you can check out the Serge Engelhart beating that I got. You can check out the Link Gates beating I got. Enjoy that. Is the Link Gates fight on there? <laughs> Yeah, I'd have to check that one out. I I can't believe I haven't seen yeah. that one. Oh yeah, oh. Um, I know you your know, one with Mel Engelstad is on there, and that's a good one too. Is the full is the full video on there though? I don't know if the full video on there. I think it's just the beginning of it because it's, I don't think I don't think Mel was expecting me to be as strong as I was because he um, Mel's a tough kid. We all know how Mel how tough Mel is. I get a lot of respect for Mel. We used to we used to give him a hard time. We were in Quad Cities. Not me. I wasn't so much of a chirper like that, but we had guys in quads. Well, we had John Batten in quad cities. He, he talks too much, <laughs> but they, they would, they would give Mel a hard time, you know, and, and always heckle him and stuff. And, and you know, nobody wanted to fight him though, you know? Right. Um, but uh, I, it was a playoff game and, and I was, I was, you know, in front of the net or whatever. It was after, you know, offensive rush, whatever, goaltender covered it or something. And Mel came to try to clear me out and I, I dropped him on his back and he got up with his gloves off, you know, and I, I wasn't ready yet. And so we kind of were like squirmishing a little bit. And then, then finally I got my, got my gloves off and I actually caught him with a couple of lefts. And uh, I think he went down, never fought him again after that. That was, that was my one and only fight with Mel only because we never really saw The next time we saw each other was another playoff game. And he tried to run me at the blue line and, and I dropped my shoulder into him. And I think he separated his shoulder on that play. And that was it. Yeah. Out in Thunder Bay there, they had old Mel and Kevin Holiday both had over 400 penalty, oh, <laughs> 400 they, penalty they, minutes they, that season. And, and, and Disher, those three clowns. <laughs> and I'm only kidding. When I say clowns, I say that out of respect. Oh, yeah. Just joking. But no, no, because back in the day, Thunder Bay was a tough place to go. I loved going up to Thunder Bay to play because the fans there, they knew the game. And if you played the game a certain way, they respected you. And I always liked it up there. You know, uh, I wouldn't want to play there. You know, <laughs> I think I was very happy in the Quad Cities. Um, but, you know, they had, they, had, they had a good team. They had a great team. You know, Jason Firth and Gary McKinley. Uh, I mean, they just had, they had a really solid team. Um, and they had the toughness to go with it. And they knew how to play that tough way. You know, so we had some battles with them. Obviously, you know, Muskegon, Flint, you know, the two other teams that we had a lot of battles with. Yep. Oh, yeah. Back in the day, that was uh, the old Colonial League was sure was something else. Um, you know, before we move on a little bit to your to your ice hockey career, I have to ask how you got out to Oakland. And people might be wondering what kind of fucking team was out there in Oakland. And this was the RHI, and people listening might not know what the RHI is. That is the Roller Hockey International. How in the hell did you find yourself in that league out in Oakland? Yeah, it doesn't suit my game, that's for sure. Um, so Sean Clouston was my roommate in Cincinnati. 
Sean Cluston was my roommate in Cincinnati, and he ended up leaving at Cincinnati, ended up going to play for Tulsa Oilers. And Gary Unger was the coach in Tulsa. So they were out. Gary Unger was the coach for the Oakland Skates. Sean Cluston was out there. Dougie Lawrence, um, Sylvain Nouad, uh, Dave Doucette, uh, Sasha Lakovic came out and played with us for a little yep. bit. Um, you know, a few other minor, minor league guys. I think even uh, Link played in the RHI for a, a hot second, Yes, he too. did. Yes. No, Link, Link and I had breakfast one morning, and it scared the living piss out of me. I thought he was – I thought he wanted to finish the job. I'm like, this guy's going to recognize me. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I, I do. I've had, I've had an interesting career. Let's say that. Um, well, how did, but that yeah, go, no, so, how did that go real quick? So, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but breakfast with yeah. Link Gates. I got to hear about that. That sounds like it. That's almost sounds like its own show. It does. It really does. It could be its own reality show. <laughs> <laughs> Having sausage links with Link. <laughs> so, so while I was playing out in the RHI, you know, we we, we traveled. We, we were playing. I think we were playing at Phoenix, and he. I think Link was playing in Sacramento or somewhere. I think that sounds right uh, off the top of my head. That sounds correct. And they Sacramento was in Phoenix for a game or two before us. So they stayed the night that we flew in. We flew in the day before and they were staying the night. So we were, um, the morning breakfast, it's a little, it's a little, you know, I don't know, Hampton Inn or whatever. It was a little continental breakfast. And, um, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there having my bowl of fruit loops or whatever I'm eating for breakfast. And, uh, all of a sudden I see link coming in, coming in and I'm like, shit because because link's got a, a reputation of a lot of different things and oh, yeah. uh, uh, he, he can be a very scary human being there's no doubt um and 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 you never know you never know which link you're going to get on or off the ice you never know which one you're going to get and um so i remember sitting there at the center eating breakfast he comes in he grabs whatever he's eating for breakfast and now there's there's like six tables there to sit and there's nobody in there so, and I'm sitting there and I'm looking, he, and he, he comes over, he sits down directly across from me. And I'm like, oh, great. He's going to recognize me and he's going to want to finish me. Like, you know, it's like Robocop or the Terminator or somebody. It's like, he's going to want to kill me. He's going to. So I'm sitting there and I'm waiting to see what he says. And he's, and he says, hey, I said, hey, how's it going? He goes, he goes, you're that Rosenblatt kid, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's me. He goes, he goes, I got to give you credit. You're one tough kid. He goes, I give you credit. He goes, I remember that fight in, in Cape Breton. And, you know, you could have easily just bailed out and, 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 and turtled and stayed on the ice. And you, you just, you got up and you kept, you kept coming. He goes, I got he goes, I got a lot of respect for that. Good for you. And I, right from there, I was like, wow, that's the best compliment I can get, you know, um, coming from a guy that, you know, in his own mind, in his own right, not his own mind, in his own right is a legend. You know, uh, you know, the guy who was supposed to be the first NHL tough guy that was going to make a million dollars because at the time he was not a bad player either. No, yeah, before, before his that, yeah, before that, before his, solid. before his mishaps, yeah, before his mishaps. So, um, yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, what, what was what, what, what I wasn't expecting, you know, turned into a nice little uh, compliment from him, you know. So, but yeah, no, it, it was, I was a little nervous, didn't know what was going to happen from that breakfast. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, whole breakfast with Link. I could only imagine that. Um, and what? So you fought him when he was out in Cape Breton, you said? Yeah, he was actually. So 
that's the other funny story about this whole thing. And so I'm with the Providence Bruins. That, that was early in, in that 93-94 um, season. And now we've got, we've got tough guys like Jamie Huscroft, uh, Darren Banks, Billy Armstrong, Mark Major, Brent Hughes, myself. You know, like Hockey News, when, when Hockey News was published like that, and they used to have the, you know, preseason reports and rankings, they had ranked us as the toughest minor league team in hockey. And I was pretty ha- – I, w- I remember because I was pretty, uh, pretty stoked that I was even in that conversation you know, with, with all those guys. And so now we're up in Cape Breton with all these guys that all these guys that I just mentioned. Now we're, this is like, this is really like out of slap shot. So we're in the lobby waiting to get checked in and waiting for our keys. And all of a sudden guys are like mumbling, like, is that link over there? What's he doing here? Everybody's like, what the fuck? What's, what the hell is he doing here? Now, now I hear Jamie Huscroft and, and Banksy and those guys all like mumbling, like, fuck, I don't want to fight that guy. You know, I'm thinking like, well, fuck, great. I, I think it was Darren Banks. I think Banksy knew him. So Banks, I think Banksy went over and talked to him, whatever, say, you know, what are you doing here? What's going on? And he's like, ah, you know, I'm just down here rehabbing. He goes, I'm not looking to fight. He goes, I guess he told Banksy, I'm not really looking to fight anybody. I'm just down here trying to get my skill level, my skills back after his accident. You know, so he, so Banks comes back and tells us that and everybody's like, oh, fuck, thank God. So I'm thinking, well, all right, that's cool. So my first shift out there and it's, it's on video. That's why I can remember it so vividly. I'm out there and I just, I'm standing on the side of the net. Goalie covers the puck. I don't, I don't poke the goalie. I do nothing. I'm just standing there and I can see out of the corner of my eye because Link was huge. I mean, he, he looked like a linebacker. He was just so wide yeah. and, and big. And I'm like, all right. And, I, and he gives me a, he gives me a nudge and I, and I nudge him back, but, you know, just reaction wise, I nudge him back, but I don't want to make eye contact. Cause if I look, make eye contact, it's, we know it's going down. That's usually how it goes. <laughs> so I don't want to make eye contact, but out of the corner of my eye, I see his gloves are already off. Like I see him dropping his gloves. And before I could even, again, I got, I'm not going to back away. But I've already lost this fight because one, I'm already intimidated before we even get into it, you know. And I heard so many stories about him that I'm like, if I even if I do hit him, I'm just gonna piss him off more. And if I beat him, he's just gonna come after me again. And, and again, I know this is a fighting podcast, but I gotta tell you what my guts were feeling at the time. You oh, know, yeah. I mean, I, I was I was a kid. I was still young, and I wasn't, you know. I was better off not knowing who I was fighting and then just did what I did. You know, I wasn't that confident yet. And, and like, okay, I can hold my own with whoever. So I was, so now the gloves come off. Now I'm just trying to hold on, like try to lock his elbows up and, and maybe try to, you know, see if I can kind of manage a little bit of a, I showed up. Okay. Nothing really came of it. Go about your business. He was so strong. He was so strong that he, he hit me so hard. He, I could not hold on to him. He was hitting me with uppercuts. He was coming over the top and every single one of those punches landed. And all I remember saying like, ooch, ouch, ooch, ouch. Like <laughs> every one was just getting hit with a hit, like a sledgehammer. And I remember I, I, didn't, I didn't see a shift the rest of the game because I was, I was concussed. I was, I sat on the bench. My eyes were swollen. Everything was, I was 
literally looked like I got beat up by a baseball bat with a baseball bat. And I remember afterwards, all the guys were like, Hey, Howie, you know, good job. You know, again, for showing up, you right. know, and I remember going to get on the bus and Michael Connell pulled me aside. Our coach, Michael Connell pulled me aside. It's like, Hey, Howie he goes, you know what? He goes, you just earned a lot of respect from a lot of people just for showing up. Good job. I guess, I guess if there's any consolation of getting the shit kicked out of you and, and really, really just taking a beating and not even doing anything because you don't want to piss the guy off. Um, yeah, I guess so. Sure. And, and I, and I, I fought him again later on. And, and after, and honestly, after that fight, I wasn't afraid of anybody. I wasn't afraid to fight anybody. I wasn't because nothing was going to get worse than that. Yeah, nothing gets worse than Link Gates. And it's funny, uh, Brian, who's been, no, I think he's been, I think Brian's been watching since the beginning of the uh, the episode here. And he, he just sent me the video of the messenger and I could see it. And it's, yeah, Link starts going with the rights and then he just switches to the left real quick. And then it was, uh, it was over after that one. <laughs> you can see how powerful those punches were. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, and he's he's throwing almost like Tony Twist esque, where it's like you know all the way yeah. back here. He's not it, there's not just short little rabbit punches. I mean, he's throwing from another postal code uh, over from you. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, old Link, I guess it's got to be like riding a bull fighting Link Gates. That's for sure. And you got to remember too. I mean, going into it, I was already beat. And and you and as a fighter, as a fighter, you can't. You 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 just can't. You got to go in there thinking you're you know. You're going to go in, you're going to show up, you're going to do what you do. And um, you have to have a little bit of a, ch a chip on your shoulder. You have a little bit of an attitude that, you, you know, you're going to kick the shit out of the other guy, and even though it doesn't work that way. But you know what? You're going to get your licks in. And that was the one fight, the one fight ever and only that I don't think I threw a punch because of that. And I swore if I ever, if I ever fought him again, um, I, I would fight him like I would fight anybody else. And, and when he was playing with Madison Monsters, in quad cities and he hit Hugo, he two handed Hugo Prue and I stepped in and fought him and actually had a much better go with him there. Had a much right. better go with him there. So, you know, but um, yeah, no, but Hey, listen, you know, for, for a kid out of Pawtucket, Rhode Island, that wasn't supposed to go play college and professional, never mind anything else, you know, to say, I got to say I fought link gates, you know, and uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, put that put that in your belt. That's a solid notch to have there. And well, the thing about Link too is you could almost hit him as hard as you want. And he ain't going down. Very rarely uh, did you see Link get TKO'd. I mean, he was still standing even after he fought Joe Kosher, and we all know what kind of cinder blocks Kosher threw. So yeah, um, yeah, no, yeah, he was a beast. No, he was a beast. And and, and again, before his troubles off the ice, um, no, he he was he was an upcoming tough guy. He was for sure. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, but, um, well, real quick before we continue on about the RHI, did you ever get any fights out there in the roller hockey league? Well, because you, you put oh, up, yeah. um, yeah, you had yeah. you had nineteen games played. You almost had a hundred penalty minutes, so you were uh, you were yeah. definitely mixing it up out there. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it was it, you know it was a bunch of minor league hockey players. You know, um, yeah, no, uh, I can't remember who I fought. I I do remember I I got suspended for running the referee over. Uh, which was interesting because I, and this, and this has to do with Dan, Danny Shank, Daniel Shank, you know, um, I was in Cincinnati and Shank was in uh, San Diego. Um, and, you know, we never fought. He never, you, you know, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say someone wouldn't never fight me. I'm not, I'm not like, you know, a heavyweight champion of fighting in, in hockey. I just, I was a gamer. I was a gamer and I, I did better than, you know, than I, than I should have or whatever. Um, but I, Daniel Shank was playing. I forget what team he was playing. I might've been, uh, where was he playing? 
I don't know. Maybe it was Phoenix. Maybe he was playing for Phoenix. And and anyway, um, we got into a little bit of a scrum in front of their net, and and I, and I was challenged. I said, "Fuck it, let's go." You know, fuck you. I'm tired of your shit. Let's let's just go. And he would not drop the gloves or nothing. So I go to get off the ice, but I didn't realize the referee had his hands up for a penalty. So I'm sitting on the bench. And the stoppage of play, he comes over and he's like, you know, I was wearing number 42 for Oakland. He goes, 42, let's go. You roughing. Just me? I go, where are you? I go, where are you fucking nuts? And I had a little bit of another relapse where I lost it. And I, I jumped over the boards. I started sprinting across the ice towards the penalty box where he was reporting the penalty. And I got about halfway there, and I kind of was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was I was kind of already committed, but I was like, you can't do this. But it was rollerblades, and, you know, it's not like ice. It's not skates where I can just kind of I, – I, so I glided, and then I, I kind of hit him into the boards. So I got I – got, <laughs> I got tossed for that. Gary Younger was like, he was talking to Sean Clusey. He's like, what is going on with Howie? What's his, what's his deal? What's he doing? Clusey's like, I don't know. I, I'll talk to him. I don't know. So they suspended me what I guess would have been equivalent of a 10-game suspension on a full hockey season. Right. So I think they suspended me for like three games, four games or something. I don't know. But, um, yeah, that wasn't a sport for me. <laughs> no. That, that's that wasn't a sport for me. Um, we used to have some, like San Jose was a good team. And I know, I know Anaheim won it that year and they, they had a great team, but I remember having some battles. Uh, we had some battles in uh, San Jose. Carl LeBlanc played in San Jose. Oh, right on. And, and, and I got a picture over my shoulder. He autographed, he's got a picture of me and him square, like kind of squared off in front of the bench. And one year after, like before I left Quad Cities, he, he he goes here. I want you to have this, and he autographed it. And he's like, Howie, one of your one of your luckiest days ever, or one of the, you know something like that. LB, you know. And I was laughing. I go, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. It's a picture of me squaring off, and I don't think we ever fought. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, funny. So I think that's why he was saying one of your luckiest days ever. Yeah, yeah. People don't realize the like the the uh, the RHI for a second there had some toughness rolling through it. Like you said, Lakovic was there, Gates, yourself, um, and a couple others. But uh, oh yeah, you know, going so going back to you know your on ice career, you were with Greensboro, and there's a guy I got to ask you about when you were there, and a minor league legend as far as pims and points, and that's Trevor Sen. What was it like playing with Trevor Sen? Uh, Setter, I, you know, I still talk to Setter on Facebook here and there. Like there'll be something posted or tagged by him, you know, that he's involved in. And I, and I always have, you know, one that I think we were both drinking the crown Royals. And so we had, we had nothing but good things to say about each other. Uh, Setter's great. The only, the only problem is I think I was only there a week and they, and they get rid of him. Oh, really? Yeah. He got traded to Richmond. He yeah, got traded to say. Richmond like a week after I got there or so. So we never really got a chance to like, you know, enjoy what we could have enjoyed together. Um, but yeah, no, he got the last laugh though, because uh, he, uh, Richmond beat Greensboro in the finals that year. Oh, really? So, uh, yeah. Unfortunately we had, we had a few, um, few injuries. Um, Glenn Stewart, who was a rookie at the time, Stewie broke his hand. So he was out of, he was out of the rest of the playoffs. Um Somebody else was hurt. One of our key guys was hurt, and I can't remember who. And unfortunately, my dad passed away after game two. And so I had to fly home. And, and if they had got it to a game six, 
I would have been able to play. I was flying back, and unfortunately, I think we they lost the series in Richmond, so that was that was the end of that run. But um, I think if we were healthy and 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 we had our full our full team, I think it could have been a you know I, I don't know if we would have won, but it would have been at least a game seven, I'm sure. You yeah, know, but you know, yeah, Sutter got the last laugh because he was on that team. Oh yeah, and of course he involved in one of the most legendary fights of all time. You know that Tasker and Sen just Tasker, yeah. Insane. And that's that's when I think that's the night when him and I were talking after a few drinks, and you know that you no, know, just that Tasker, him and Tasker fight was a great fight. I mean, that's you can put that you can put that up with any fight. Oh yeah, everybody loves it. Just toe to toe, it's the most insane fight of all. Sutter wasn't a big kid. He wasn't big. Tough, tough, toughest kid, toughest kid for sure, pound for pound, and and just a really tough, hard nosed kid. Well, and it was crazy; he could wheel it too. He'd put he'd put points on the board and yeah. pims up. Oh, yeah. It was, ins- was like was... Sen was like insane. Yeah, no, he was a good player. He was fast, you know, and he could hit. And he, you know, no, very well respected guy in the minor leagues for sure. Yeah, if anybody listening has never never looked up Trevor Sen's stats, um, I encourage you to go and just look at it. It almost looks like something out of a video game. It's it's crazy. Um, but you know, so moving on, you, the following year, did you end up in? Um, was it Dayton or was it Raleigh first? Because hockey DB sometimes can be a little. Uh, it it doesn't quite do the timeline correctly. So did you end up with Dayton or Raleigh first? Um, yeah, that's that was the year after my dad passed away, and I ended up with Raleigh, and I was playing for Kirk Kleinendorf, um, who I knew from when he, his days at Providence College, and you know I knew a few of the guys that he had down there in Raleigh that I was good friends with. And um, so I was down in Raleigh and it, it, it was, t- it was a tough year. What I thought was going to be a great year and fun turned out to be probably, I don't know. I, I don't want to say my worst year, but not, it wasn't, it was hard. Uh, we had no toughness. Teams would come in and just bully us all over the place. Um, I get, I get kind of tired of just being the only guy that's going to stand up for, for everybody. Um, right. And, and Kurt didn't want that either, though. Kurt was the kind of coach where he he didn't want tough. He didn't want that, you know. And and teams teams would come in and take advantage of us, and it was bad, you know. Christoph Olawa came down from New Jersey, oh. and so so I was like, oh, good, someone's going to come down here and fight. He wouldn't drop the gloves, and and I and I didn't know who he was or obviously i think afterwards when his, he started to have his career in the nhl but he came down and i'm like well good this guy's six five he's supposed to be a tough guy he wouldn't drop the gloves he wouldn't he wouldn't drop the gloves and i remember getting pissed off and saying what the what, do you, what the hell are you doing here right you yeah, know sometimes we, it's like that you know, we need you to help right you know so things got really bad and so i i asked kurt to get traded I said, listen, I go, it's not working out here. I'm just, you know, we were good friends and now we're getting frustrated with each other. I said, you know, I apologize. Things aren't working out, you know, and he, and and Kurt was great. Kurt said, well, where do you want to go? And I gave him a couple places and I said, you know what? I said, if I can get close, I I love Cincinnati. I love being up that area. I said, if I get to Dayton, I'd love to go play in Dayton. So the trade worked out. Um, Jim Playfair was coaching Dayton. Uh, I get there. Everything, everything seemed to be pretty good for a little bit. Um, but I also found myself, my heart wasn't in it. My heart wasn't in it. I was going through some hard times. I think, uh, you know, my dad passing away and, 
you know, some other off ice issues that I was having. And, you know, I just kind of, I just felt like my heart wasn't in it and I felt horrible. And I remember talking to like, you know, George Zajankala, who was, who him and I became friends there. And, and, and Sean Gagnon was, was a buddy of mine there. We all, we actually all lived together um, when I was up there. And I think I was up there for like a couple of weeks and I'll never forget that we were playing in Toledo and I literally was just kind of, I just felt like I wasn't there. And I didn't feel it was right. I didn't feel it was right to the, to my teammates. I didn't feel like it was right to Jim play fair at the time uh, to be in, a, in the place where I was at mentally and, and, and play. And I remember coming on the, on the, on the bus ride back from Toledo. Um, I, I was sitting there talking to George and I, and I said, I said, Zags, I don't think I can do this anymore. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not in the right frame. And it's not fair to you guys. You guys are about to go into the playoff run. And I, I just don't think I, I'm not, I'm better off not being here. Right. So I go up to the front of the bus and I sit down with Jimmy Playfair. And um, I, I, <laughs> I tried to explain it to Jim. I don't think Jim really appreciated what I was telling him. <laughs> He was not happy. He was bullshit. He was pissed, but I really was. I mean, for me to do that, um, it, I, it, it wasn't easy, but I, I, I really wasn't, I wasn't there. And, and, and again, it was just, it was a tough couple of years, you know, and I just wasn't there and I wasn't, I didn't think it was fair to those guys. So yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy had some not nice things to say to me or about me, which I can understand. I, you know, I get it. But uh, I had to do what I had to do, and then um, the, the next the next year was that the next year? Yeah, the next year I ended up signing with Quad Cities. Yep. Yeah. So Mark Kumpel was actually took over the job in Dayton, and Kumps wanted me to come play with him. Kumps, Kump, Mark Kumpel was the assistant coach in Providence um, when I was with the Bruins, and he was coaching when. When uh, I think he was coaching the team when when uh, I was in Greensboro, we beat them in the playoffs, and I had a really good playoff in Greensboro. I was I had a really good playoff, you know. Uh, and Cumps always liked me. He wanted like he wanted me to come play there. But Howard Cornfield, who was in Greensboro, and worked in the front office at the time, uh, where him and I became very friendly um, in Greensboro. And he called me. He got the GM job in Quad Cities, and. and and that's when he kind of, he cleaned house. He got up there, he, he basically cleaned. I mean, he got rid of, you know, uh, Dean Schmier, he got Jacques Mayotte. And, and that was a hard thing because I remember Howard would talk to me about the hate mail that he would get about Jacques Mayotte, getting rid of Jacques Mayotte, the hate mail he would get from all these fans. <laughs> and I was the first guy that Howard signed. Howard was the first, uh, called me, and I was the first guy he signed. And we didn't have a head coach yet. John Anderson hadn't been hired yet. And it was just Matt Shaw. And um, so Howard knew I wanted to get into coaching. And um, so he had me working with Matt Shaw. And we were, I, was, I was calling all these guys from the East Coast League that I knew that maybe we can get to come play in Quad Cities and try to build that team. And, you know, I mean, I talked to Travis Tucker, talked to um, Glenn Stewart. Um, I had talked to a few other guys. But, that, you know, that's how guys like myself, Glenn Stewart, uh, Hugo Prue, we were all in Greensboro together. Right. And uh, Tucker and I, Travis Tucker and I were in Charlotte together. We became good friends. 
And I thought he'd be a good fit there as well. Um, you know, it, it just, it, it, it was, it was, it was a transition for sure because we had no idea. We've never played in the Colonial League. We had no idea what the league was all about. Or, yeah, because it had just it only been there for a year at that time, correct? Right. Yeah. Right. right. And well, in Quad Cities, it only been there for a year. Yes. Yes. The league had been. so, but I remember um, talking talking to Howard, and Howard's like, "Oh, I hope I hope things work out, Howie, because you know I'm getting a lot of hate mail for all these." I said, "Howard, I go listen, I go." I will go in there and do what I need to do and what and who I am as, as a player on the ice and off the ice, whatever you need, I'll do it. I said, you know what? I said, by Thanksgiving, all these people that are hating you right now are going to love you. So it'll work out. And uh, sure enough, I mean, the, it, we were all a bunch of misfits. We all came from different places. You know, um, the, I mean, the only guys that were still there was, was Sergei Javagin, Freddie Nosval, um, Brett Strote, and um, Brett Strote, and, and Brad Barton, and Bartz. Yep. Those were the only guys that from that previous team, and they, I think they were in last place and just snuck into the playoffs and then lost in the first round. And, and so now you get all these new guys, not knowing what to expect, where we're going to be, and. And, and to, I think we won 51 games that year or something like that. And, and obviously, you know, had the playoff run and won, and won, and won the championship in Flint where we never won. We had never won in Flint for two years. They'd never won in Flint and wow. we win the cup in Flint. So it was, it was, it was, it was, it was definitely the most magical year I ever had. Um, unforgettable. And, and, you know, we, we won the championship the next year. Uh, we had a lot of returning guys but we also added a bunch of good players, you know, and, you know, and Paul Gillis came in, John Anderson, obviously did, he did a phenomenal job with us and everybody that played on that team, that we all say the same thing that John Anderson was the best coach we ever had. You know, Paul Gillis was a great coach. I love playing for Paul. Um, but the team, the team was already, we, we, we just were a well-oiled machine, you know, and, um, but to win it back-to-back years and then to go there for the third year and, and unfortunately lost, but to have the five seasons that we had, well, not we had because I was going after the third, but as the Mallards, to have those five seasons where you're winning 50-plus games and you're, and you're in the championships and you're winning championships, that's a pretty remarkable thing, you know, and, and to play in front of you guys. You know, you said you were a kid at the time. But to play in front of the fans that we had there and, and the support that we got, it, it was it was it was great. I mean, those years in Quad Cities and the and the and the the time I had in Cincinnati were by far highlights of my career. Oh yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I went to a Storm game recently with uh, with with Jay, um, and he runs. The, I don't know if he's um, if he's added you on Facebook, but he runs the page called the UHL Legends on here. And we went to a, uh, the Quad City Storm game that they have there now. Is what the team is. Um, once the Mallards on the way, but it's, you can tell it's a little bit different. I mean, the fans are still awesome, but like, it's, I mean, when the Mallards were there in the old colonial and UHL, I mean, that, that I always say the mark, I almost said the I wireless center trying to remember. I don't even think it's the, I think it's the tax layer. Uh, it's the mark. It's the uh, yeah, fucking something mark. like tax layer. Yeah, some shit. It's yeah, the no. mark. It'll always be the mark. Um, it's the, it's the, to me, it's the mark. And you know what, whoever wants to spend the money to, to, to put their name on it. I mean, good for them. <laughs> right, but I mean, it used to be just packed all the way to like to the to the ceiling, and now it's like you go there, and I don't even think the 
the top row is uncovered until like playoffs come around or something in the because uh, now it's the SPHL. But yeah, the old Mallards. I mean, what a, what a treat it was to watch the uh, the team back then. So I, I mean, I gotta ask you. Know, I had him. I was fortunate enough to have him on the podcast back in the day, um, really early on in the podcast, actually. So I'm sure my interview was just the absolute fucking worst. But um, <laughs> Mark McFarland, what was it like playing with him, man? Oh, I love Mac. Mac and I are still friends to this day. Actually, I was supposed to go up and see him in Maine uh, a couple of weeks ago, but unfortunately, I, uh, I I was in a club championship at the at the golf course that I belong to, and so I had a, I had a match that day that weekend that I was supposed to go up there, and I had asked him. I said, "Is there any other time in August that maybe I could get up there?" And I think he's planning on going back to Canada, and and maybe now with the COVID stuff, it's changed. But I think they were going to allow them to go back to Canada for a bit, and he was going to go home for. For a bit, I don't know what happened with that, but um, no, Mac was great. What a, I mean, Mac Mac's a great teammate. I mean, he'll do anything and everything for for his teammates. I, you know, you know, uh, there are guys on that team, and, and I'm going to go back to the first year because it was more it, not to take away from anybody, any other teammates, or but again, when you put all these guys together from, from all these different organ organizations and leagues. You know, it's kind of like you don't know if it's going to mesh. And we all just got along so well. I mean, everybody on that team just there was there was no the only the only the only differences that there might have been every once in a while was, you know, batting batting trying to be a smart ass and, and messing with me during practice. And I and he'd always get me going and I'd snap and try to get at him. <laughs> but uh, you know, even then, you know, we were good friends. You know, there, there was there was there was no issues there. There was no egos. You know, everybody everybody accepted all the, the limelight together you know obviously there were fan favorites there you know um but um everybody was good about sharing it with everybody you know we were we were really were a true team we were we were a true team uh, i love all those guys that were on that team um but yeah no i mean you know like and i and i, and I, I was i wanted to talk about a couple of tough obviously we had some tough guys you know, um, guys and or guys that were just willing to do their job when they right. needed to, you know, you know, and, and LB was, you know, our, our defense core of LB, Tucker, Batten and uh, Bartz is a pretty good start. You know, and this is before Topper, Topper and those guys came in, you know, but that was a pretty good start, you know, and then you had, you know, you had guys like myself and Mark McFarlane that were that were gonna you know willing to fight up front and, and, and other guys would don't get me wrong and if i'm missing somebody i apologize but those are the guys that I st that stand out to me that were like if we were playing thunder bay or muskegon or flint and the, and, the, and those those were the guys who were fighting you right. know uh you know and, and again you know to just go back to mac i mean you know mac's just a warrior you know he didn't care he, he didn't care. He was going to do whatever he had to do for his teammates. And then you got to respect that. For sure. And, you know, it's funny. So, so, uh, you know, my buddy Jay with UHL legends is in the, uh, the in the chat here and Trevor Sen is actually in here. So said, I, I don't know how yeah. long old Trevor has been watching. Um, but you know, I've had, Senator, we, already, Senator, we already had a half hour talk show about you and, and nothing good, <laughs> nothing but good things are said, buddy. Don't worry. Yeah. We Maybe already, we, yeah, we already, we already covered, we already covered old Sen. Um, you'll have no. to watch it again. <laughs> you'll have to watch it again when it comes out live, unless yeah. this is live. I don't know. Is this no, live? Yeah, it's now? live. It's live right now. Yep. Oh, I oh I thought you tape I thought you were taping this and then you were gonna play it out. Oh no, it's live. We're in the we're in the group right now. It's been live the whole time. Oh shit, I'm babbling along like you're gonna cut stuff out. Hell no, this whole <laughs> thing's staying here. I mean, all I gotta do is cut an intro and we'll be we'll be ready to go. But um, 
so let's see. So old Jay out there said um, Brad Barton threatened to kill a ref after a, after the ref called yep. a penalty in overtime, yeah. and he got suspended. That was Flint. That was in Flint. That was yep. in the playoffs. The first yep. year in Flint. Oh, yeah, it was scary. He said he said the fans paid like started like a, a donation to pay off his fine. Um. I believe I heard something like that. Yes, <laughs> something along those lines. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was George Harrison. I think it was Harris. George Harrison, the referee. I think that's the one who he's going after. Because he, yeah, he got called for a penalty in overtime, and he chased him down the hallway after the game. Even <laughs> gotta love it. Only in the minor pros. <laughs> hey, the things that happen. I'll tell you. I mean, and, and we've only touched on a couple things. I mean, oh, there's yeah. stories I can tell you. I mean. I don't know how long this show goes for. You can go for how, however long you want. It don't matter, man. We're here all night. Because I, I did want to go back to a funny story that involves me when I was playing in Charlotte. Go ahead. Uh, and I was up and down between Charlotte and Providence. And um, I, I, I really liked it in Charlotte. I loved playing for John Marks. And, you know, I was one of the captains on the team. And then the next year, I, I you know, uh, I ended up back in Charlotte. And Sean Wheeler, and uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything bad about anybody, but I may not just say anything good either. But <laughs> Sean Wheeler came down and was our was our player assistant coach. Now, Sean, when I was playing in the IHL in Cincinnati, Dennis DeRoger would always heckle Sean Wheeler when he was in uh, Peoria. You know, oh, you think you're a tough guy? Fight Howie. Why don't you fight Rosenblatt? Fight him. And he wouldn't. He wouldn't fight me. And then, uh, you know, the, the, you know, a couple of years later, I'm, I'm in Charlotte. Now Sean's our player assistant coach, and I love it down there. And I, I you know, I got no beef with Sean. You know, I'm like, ah, oh, good. You know, you know, another another veteran guy, good player, rugged, physical player will fight. You know, and he's a player assistant. You know, I'm one of the captains, so but whatever means nothing, I guess. So I get called up. It was weird. I get called up to Providence, and Providence wouldn't fly me up. They want me there for the next morning. It's four o'clock Eastern time, and they want me in Providence the next morning for like eight o'clock to get my gear and, and for a pregame skate, whatever. Um, so I, I'm like, well, how long am I going for? I asked Marcy, how long am I going for? I said, I don't know. They want you to drive. So I'm assuming you're going back for the rest of the season. So I pack up all my shit. I get up there. I'm there for probably – I'm there for three games, and I didn't play one game. And now they're going to – right before Christmas, they're going to send me back. And uh, actually, I think I'm getting the years confused. But I, I get sent back to – I get sent back. And because there was a veteran rule, you can only dress so many veterans. Right. Um, well, while I was gone – and I was only gone a couple weeks – but while I was gone, Sean Sean grabbed one of his buddies, you know, another veteran guy. And I now I come back. Sorry for now those I watching. Can't. Sorry, I just had my, my wife just delivered the uh, the rum bottle to me. <laughs> to, well, go, go well, by all we're means. Good. <laughs> so we're good. We're good. We, we, we're gonna take a commercial break. We're gonna. I was, I was laughing because I don't know. I don't know if it was in the camera because I was doing something. So I'm sitting here and I, I messaged her because I didn't have it. I was like, "Oh shit, can you give me some more rum?" <laughs> so well, I don't I know, know if anybody just here, saw it. Yeah, exactly. We can take a commercial break. This is the Crown Royal XO, sponsored by you know, Crown <laughs> Royal XO. 
and and whatever rum you're drinking. Exactly. <laughs> so, so any, long story short, which you know, there, there's never never a short story when it gets to me going. But uh, <laughs> but long story for. short, um, I, I'm a healthy. I'm a scratch now. I, now now I'm getting a little frustrated. I'm like I now I'm good enough to go play in the American League, but I can't play in the East Coast League. Right. So I'm a little bit like, what's going on? So Marks Marks like, how we got we got too many veterans now. We thought you were going to be going for the rest of the year, but give us give us a couple of days, whatever. We you know we'll try to work something out. We get we get we'll get it worked out. Don't worry. So now now we're playing and uh, we're playing up in Raleigh. I'm I'm still a scratch. We're playing in Raleigh, and like I said, I got friends on that team that I you know I know so. I have a couple beers, you know, watching the game. I'm having a couple beers. I'm, you know, not happy with the situation. So I'm talking to a couple of the guys from Raleigh after the game, and they're like, Howie, why, why didn't you dress tonight? I said, well, I guess I guess we have, you know, the veteran rule, whatever. We have too many veterans. And they're like, yeah, but you guys were short a guy. So now I'm, now the wheels are spinning. Like, what do you mean? We played, we played like I could have played and I didn't? So... So now I, I go to talk to Marksy after the game, but he's doing the radio show. So I go in the locker room and I said, Hey, wheels. I go, wheels, you got a second. Can I talk to you? And, 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 and with the most unrespectful manner he could ever have, he just kind of looked at me. He goes, give me a minute. I just played a hockey game. That comment didn't go over well with me at all. Now he's, he's getting ready to go in the shower. Now I'm wearing a suit and tie. He he's buck naked. And, and him and I start squaring off in the hallway. <laughs> and it, it, it had to be the most funniest thing to watch because here's this six foot three black guy. And I, here's this fucking skinny white kid or what? No, I'm not skinny, but you know what I mean? Fighting in the hallway and he's naked and I got a suit on. Yeah. You're dressed to the dimes and he's got his crank out and y'all are squaring off in yeah. the hallway. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, come on, you know? And so, so after that, Moxie comes down. He's like, what the hell's going on? And I, and I said, I told Moxie what happened and stuff. And he's like, all right, well, hold on. Let me go. Let me go find out what's going on. So Wheeler, Sean wasn't going to let me come back on the bus. He's like, fuck him. He's not on this team anymore. Now this is the player assistant. This isn't John Marks talking. This is Sean Wheeler talking. Fuck him. He's not on this team anymore. He, I don't care how he gets back to Charlotte. He's not fucking coming on this bus with us. So Moxie's like, well, that's not happening, Sean. That's not happening. He's fucking on this team. He's coming back. So so we get back, and and so we have a meeting the next day in, in Moxie's office separately. And so Moxie's like, listen, Howie, he goes, I got to apologize. He goes, this is part of my fault. I thought you were going to be gone. I didn't know. He goes, I want you here. Um, I, I, I wish, I hope there's a way that you and Sean can work it out and, and, uh, you know, kind of mend things together because I, I think you're both, you know, good attributes to this team and, you know, want you both here. And, and I told out of respect for Marxie and the love I had for that team. And, you know, um, I told him, I said, listen, Marxie, I go, we got a lot of young guys on this team. Even if me and Sean were to patch things up, it's always going to be a split locker room. There's going to be guys that are going to look up to me and there's going to be guys that are looking up to him and there that happened and you can't take it back. Now, if, if it was just two players got in a fight in practice or whatever, that's one thing. 
But when you when you when if he's going to be listed as the player assistant coach and he's looked at as an assistant coach from the players, and then one of the captains, you know, and again, I just I I I didn't want to be there anymore. And that's when they trade me to Greensboro. Right. But I just I just think it's like the visual in my mind is just to me it's a funny story just because the way <laughs> it went down and you know it's like really. You're going to fight me naked? <laughs> yeah. Well, Jay, Jay out in Iowa said, uh, I've heard it going tarps off, but that's a new one. <laughs> um, well, real quick before we get back to Quad City. So you had a small stint out in San Antonio with the IHL. Um, one guy I got to ask you about, and of course, you know, if you know of anybody you fought, we'll get into that as well. But I'm just curious about him. And I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary. It was called Tough Guys. And it was... Um, it was set in, I think, the CHL at the time, and it followed Kevin Holiday, Curtis Voth, uh, guys like that. And you can see it; it's on yeah. YouTube. And Mark LaForge is in there, and he's kind of yeah. bad mouth and fighting a little bit. And it's just it's weird to me. And if you if you look at like the very last stat of his stuff, he's still fighting, but he was kind of down talking it a little bit. So, I mean, did he did he say anything about the fighting when you were there out in San Antonio with him? Which, I mean, if somebody does downplay, or not downplay, but down talk the fighting, it's fine. You know, they're the most experienced in that role. But it just seemed weird that he would say that and then kind of still keep doing it as he would go on, like, later on in his career. You know, the time that I was down there, um, I actually, I, 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 I became friendly with, with Mark a bit um, just because I knew his history. And, you know, he was a guy who played, you know, high levels and, you know, and and he, and he was a, he was a good team guy. He, to me, he seemed like a good team guy. Um, you know, I kind of I kind of want to say that there were times where I kind of felt like he didn't like the role that he did. Right. You know, and and you know, I I don't know where his career went after there, but I kind of sensed that he didn't want to fight anymore for sure. Right. And yeah, it's which I mean, I totally get it, too. If you're doing it for that long and, you know, it's not it's yeah. not for everybody. Some guys do it not because they love it, but it's because it's it's like LaForge says in there, it's a shot at the NHL. So I totally get that. Um, I just I find it a little weird sometimes and the way he talks about it, like, well, that's what still got you to the NHL at the same time. So it's like, can, right. is it yeah. really that bad? So I, I don't know. I when, when stuff like that happens, it kind of puts a weird taste in my mouth about about that guy. Um, yeah, and like, I, I, I honestly. I but I, I mean I, I you know I, I wasn't I wasn't I was there for a couple months um, and I and it, you know again I got friendly with some of the guys and I I, I liked it you know but um, I think my heart still when I was down there my heart was definitely wanting to be back in Quad Cities and I think when Justin McHugh went back to Quad Cities and you know I was down there still and I know Jeff Brubaker signed me for the rest of the season there but there were some things that happened. And there were things that was asked of me to do that I was not comfortable with. Um, you know, like I said, you know, I, I, I like to think of myself as a, as a hard-nosed player um, that was respected by my teammates and peers for being a hard-nosed player, but respectful. Like, I, you know, I, wasn't, I never jumped anybody. I didn't sucker anybody. Um, you know, I tried to play, you know, a hard game, but clean. <laughs> um but I was asked to do a couple things while I was down there that I wasn't comfortable with. And that was kind of where I was like, you know what? I'm, I don't want to be here. Right. You know, and I really liked the magic that like we talked about the magic that we had in quad cities that year. I really wanted to be back and win a championship with, with all the guys, you know? And so I kind of 
you know, one way or another made it play out to where they were going to send me back. Well, I mean, it worked out in your favor because you guys <laughs> went back to back. So, I mean, he was laughing now. <laughs> um, but that 97-98 season and, of course, famous in not only the enforcer world, but, you know, the quad cities alone, his numbers retired there. And he's got to be this polarizing figure coming in because he had the huge rep out in junior. Um, and I, I, I see you laughing. You already know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but old Topper, Kerry Toporowski, what was it like playing with him? I'm a huge Topper fan, too. Well, I don't think there's not too many people that aren't. The only people that aren't fans of Kerry Toporowski are probably the guys that were on the other end of Kerry Toporowski. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, Kerry and I are friends. We're probably not as close as we probably could have been or would have been. Um, I think because of the time that those guys, all those guys came in, I was fighting injuries. You know, um, those last two years in Quad Cities were tough years for me. Um, I had back-to-back major injuries. I had a torn ACL that had to be replaced, and I missed the rest of the season. Um, and I, I, you know, Gilly helped me. You know, you know, let me be. You know, kind of on the bench as an assistant and take. You know, start grooming me for being a, if I wanted to get into coaching. Um, and and then uh, the next year I had my I tore my rotator labrum in my right shoulder, ironically on the same road trip in, in Binghamton. It was it was the same time of year, back to back years, same time of year, same road trip. Um, but uh, it was hard for me to deal with the injuries that I had when I wanted to be playing and and forced not to. Um, it was hard for me to be around the locker room sometimes. Right. I tried to, I, I tried to be, you know, I mean, I was, I, I did everything I was supposed to do as far as trying to get back and stay healthy. Um, because again, I, I, you know, I came back at the end of the year on my, uh, the third season that I was with quad says I, I wasn't supposed to play anymore. And I did what I had to do to get back, um, to get back just before playoffs. And there was questions whether or not they were going to put me on the playoff roster which was very difficult and frustrating for me, um, especially if I felt that was healthy. But um, those two years, we brought in a lot of leadership. You know, from, from the first year, you know, guys like LB, Tucker, Barton, myself, you know, there was good leadership on that team. And, you know, and what we did was remarkable, you know. And I know Howard wanted to build a dynasty, which, which he did, Um and, you know, brought in more good players. Um, there was there was tension. I don't know if anybody ever talks about it, and I'm not afraid to talk about. It. There was there was some tension between certain groups of guys in the in the in the team. Um, and I definitely was probably not the best because again, I, I was dealing with my own injuries, and I and I was not, I'm not good at that. I'm not good. I never was, and I'm still not good at dealing with the injuries that I have. Um, but I wanted to play. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be a part of the team. And if I couldn't contribute, I didn't feel like I was part of the team. And maybe that came across to some new guys that didn't know me that well as maybe mis- misreading what was going on. Um, but, uh, it was, it was a tough, it was tough because of the injury. So, I, you know, like I, going back to like copper, like, you know, no, I think, I think we would have been great teammates. I think if I was healthy and I had played a full season and, kind of was always involved and around it would have been you know a little bit different um not that topper and i ever had any issues with each other um not at all uh, but i just 
you know, I just think that I didn't feel as close to some of those guys as I knew I would have been because it was, it was hard for me. It was just hard for me. And then that third year, the third year that I was there, you know, Kevin Kerr came in, Scotty Burfoot came in, a few other guys came, Gary Goulash came, you know, Gary Goulash came in. I mean, you know, for, I'm sorry, but the first day that he comes into town, he's on Dwyer and Michaels and they're talking about how I just got, you know, this is, this was the, this was going into the, the third year. And I'd coming off my knee surgery. It was right before training camp. And I got, you know, Craig Cooper wrote an article in the paper about that. I got cleared for full, full, full clearance, uh, full clearance to go play this season and be ready for training camp. And he, and he made Craig Cooper, who good reporter, him and Jeff Wendland, that both wrote for the local papers were great with us for whatever reason, you know, name me as the sheriff. You know, and the headline was like the sheriff's back, blah, blah, blah. Now, no one's ever talked, never called me the sheriff. I mean, my nickname was Ledge or Legend, you know, from, from back in the Quad City days and the hockey card and everything else. But never, like, all right, whatever. So, Goo just got into town and he's on Dwyer and Michaels and they're talking about, hey, you know, we got, you know, news here that the sheriff's back, whatever. And apparently, Goo says, well, there's a new sheriff in town. Oh. Now, now we go, now we go to our captain's practice skates before training camp down at the um, riverfront there, the, uh, the practice rink there. So guys are mumbling to me like, Hey, did you, what, did you hear the show this morning? Whatever. Did you hear what Goulash said about, I'm like, I go, guys, listen, I go, Howard signed the guy here. If it's another player that's going to be add toughness to our team and, and be an asset to our team, who cares? And that's how I took it. And then all of a sudden as the year was going on, Things were getting worse and worse. And now at the end of the year, you know, I had the rotator cuff uh, injury. So I, I was done till playoffs. And then they're talking, well, we don't know if you can, we want to put you on a playoff roster because you may not play every night. And we don't know what your attitude is going to be like. All this shit. I said, listen, Howard, I go kill you. You guys are the, you guys are management. You make the decision. My job is to be ready to play when you ask me to play. You know what I've done in the playoffs in the past not just here, but in other places, I have good numbers for playoffs. You know what, you know what I'm going to give you. If you want to put me on, I'm not going to be happy about it, but that's fine, whatever. Um, so they put me on and sure enough, I only played a handful of games and I produced. Um, but uh, the end of the season came around and we have in the end of the year meetings and they, they weren't, they told me Howard's like, we're not going to sign you. Um, there's been a lot of talk. A lot of the players are saying that you're cancer in the locker room and blah, blah, all this stuff. And I'm like, who the, fuck, who the fuck said that? Now I know who I know it is, but it wasn't the team, right. you know? And so it, it was, it was tough because I, 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 I played a certain way. I played with all my heart, good or bad. I played as hard as I could. I did whatever I could do to help my teammates out, help win a hockey game. And, you know, to, to be told that your cancer was, was very bothering. And the old, the old Howie, cause I tried to take a book out of Howard's page and said, you know, sometimes you can't fight everybody just because whatever. Um, but I, I, you know what, I, I honestly won't look, I, I probably should have grabbed goulash and kicked the shit out of him right then and just finished it, you know, and goo, if you're out there listening, you know what I'm talking about and things could have been a lot different, but. Because I, when I was, when I made a comeback at the end in, in New Haven, after my divorce, I was playing with Gilly and Stewie in New Haven. We played Adirondack and I wanted a piece of them bad. And I asked him, I said, let's fucking go. 
and he wanted nothing to do with it. I fought him once when he was in Richmond, and I and I beat the shit out of him. Yeah, I have I... no respect. There's not too many guys that I, I can also say I don't have respect for, but as a guy who was supposed to be my teammate to throw me under the bus, and you know, I, I just not I won't do it. So yeah, there's, there's two guys I've heard uh, mixed reviews on, and one of them was Gary Goulash, and I was going to ask you about that. And then the other guy uh, with the Mallards I've heard very mixed reviews on was uh, Hugo Pru. Well, are we talking fighting? <laughs> uh, no, just his personality, I guess you could say. Uh, not necessarily fighting. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, Hugo, I, I, loved, I loved Hugo. Uh, we, were teammates in, we were teammates in Greensboro. Um, you know, I, I, I loved Hugo as a player and a teammate. Um, I think Hugo at times maybe was more looking at himself, how he can gain. Right. Um, You know, there, there there was, there was, there was a situation where, you know, um, Travis and Travis Tucker and I, after that first year, Travis and Tucker, I had already gone to Howard Cornfield and said, Hey, we want to do something like, like a summer camp. We'll call it the Quad City Mallard Summer Camp, and we'll get like four, five, six guys from the team that want to stay for a bit in summer, and we'll be, you know, we'll run a camp together. And he was like, "Yeah, no, that sounds like a really good idea." This and that. Well, a month or so went by, and Howard's like, "Listen, we're we're not going to do that. Hugo Prue's going to run a camp. He's got a guy out of Montreal that he's going to come down and, and do his own camp. So Hugo Prue had his own hockey camp." And, and none of us, none of us were involved in it. Um, so it was that, that was the one thing that kind of set me in a different direction with Hugo. Right. Um, out, outside of that, you know, again, because what, what Travis and Travis and I were not trying to put our names on it. We were not trying to make any more money. We were going to split everything. We were going to call it the Quad City Mallard Summer Hockey Camp. Mallard, Mallard Summer Hockey Camp. Um, and we, and, and we got shot down because Hugo was bringing in, um, some candy cut, uh, cookie cutter camp from a guy from Montreal and they were going to make all this money. And, and, and I don't think any of them, I'm not sure if, I don't think any of us were even part of the camp. Yeah. That's a, that's a bit greasy. So, I mean, that's stuff behind the scenes that people don't know about, but I mean, but I mean, I did, I love as a player, as a player, I love play with Hugo. Um, you know, um, we had we Hugo and I had a lot of great times together on and off the ice, you know. Uh, but yeah, no, I think I think you know again sometimes, you know what? And who's to say I at sometimes maybe I didn't see see clearly either, you know, and and whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, again, I can't I, I don't want to speak too much on the Hugo thing because I don't know much about that. But I can I can definitely tell you my experience with Gary Goulash, and you know I was pretty pretty open about you know things that happened and. You know, all of a sudden, you know, he's 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 t- he's cutting my legs out from underneath me so he can be a freaking hero. Right. Yeah. I've, like I said, I've heard very mixed reviews. And even though uh, it was one of my mother's uh, friends, Hugo proves a bit of a, a womanizer. So I've heard um, <laughs> as well. well. We'll just put it that way. Um I thought so. this was five for fighting. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, we got to get the greasy <laughs> details here too. I mean, we we've covered a lot of fighting. It's time, you know, we can we can fuck around here a little bit. Um, oh, shit. Well, one thing I'll ask you about with with, uh, with Topper, and it was uh, it was McFarland that told me about this, and you know whether it happened or not, who knows? Uh, you know, since we're getting back on track with fighting now, um, 
<laughs> so I heard a little rumor that, you know, Topper may or may not have. Uh, so for people out there listening, everybody knows what a face wash is. So obviously you get a glove up in someone's face. Uh, I have heard a, a, a slight rumor that at one point Topper may or may not have had like Icy Hot or Ben Gay uh, like in his gloves laying face washes. Now, is there any truth to that at all? That that would not shock me. Topper, <laughs> Topper, had, Topper had so many little antics. I mean, he, he he was sneaky good. He he was sneaky good. He he was you know not not only was he very tough, but he was sneaky good. And I, I'll never forget we were playing in Muskegon and there was a scrum by our bench. And Justin Morrison always had his gold chains and stuff. So a little scrum by our bench. Next thing you know, the scrum ends. Topper comes over to the bench, and he gives. I, I don't. I forget if who if he if he passes it to uh, Angel or Mark, uh, trainer, and 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 goes and goes open his hands up, and and all of a sudden you see this gold chain just drop into the hand. <laughs> he he, grabbed, he ripped it right off of Justin Morrison's neck and took his gold chain. You know, it's funny because that's not the first chain he's taken either. And I, I think I talked about this on a live episode. I, well, it's funny that you mentioned that now. I wonder if fucking Topper has like a chain collection sitting in like his, his office or something. But I know for a fact he, uh, it was when Spokane was playing, I think it was Chikudami out in the uh, Memorial Cup in the WHL. And people listening, you can go on YouTube and just look up uh, Spokane Chiefs. Um, brawl with Chikudami in the uh, Memorial Cup. And Topper wasn't initially involved in the fight. Somebody was egging him on, and Bob McKenzie's on there, and he's talking, and he's like, you know, uh, he's like, well, there's a player you'd think would be involved in all of this, and Topper asked, he's got nobody. And Topper's just standing off to the side, and somebody came up and poked the bear at him. Well, Topper just beats the shit out of him, and he's he's got he's got him down on the ice, you know, jerseying him. And Topper's in there just throwing elbows. And I know for the people like live watch, he's literally just throwing elbows nonstop at this dude on the ice, takes his chain and you can see Toporowski skate over to the bench and also hands a chain over. So I wonder if, uh, you know, Topper's had quite the chain collection going since he was in junior. <laughs> I, I, I get a feeling. Yeah. It might even started before then. Yeah. Who knows with Toporowski? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, and, and a, another story, Top, this, this is me and Topper. Um, it was after Muskegon game. And obviously the rivalry between Quad Cities and Muskegon grew each year. And I remember after the game, we're walking out and he had just had his, his, his new baby. And I, I, I forget which son it was. I forget which son it was, but he was walking out with his baby and I was walking with him a little bit behind him. And the Muskegon bus is out there and guys are packing up the bus, whatever. And there's some players out there that literally tried to start a fight with him. And I was right behind him. So I stepped in and I think, I, I don't know if I was talking, it was, if it was Rob Melanson or, or one of the other guys. And, and, and I was like, I go, this is the most, you know, I literally got one step onto their bus. And, and cause I, to me, you know, listen, what happens on the ice stays on the ice. Um, you don't, you don't attack a guy who's walking out of the rank with his baby. Right. Like a new, a newborn baby. You know, it's just classless. Um, and I don't remember who was jawing at him or whatever. Um, and Topper obviously was not going to engage. But I, w I was there. And so I kind of got, got in between and got involved. But, I, I, you know, to me, that was one of those situations where it's like, you know what? Screw you. You know, that's that's classless. 
Right. That's close. A couple of guys apologized. I think Rob Melanson apologized and kind of was like, you know, yeah, guys, shut the fuck up, knock it off. Um, but yeah, no, it was just, you know, you know again, Topper's not afraid of anybody. No. But you don't attack a guy walking out of the rink with his baby. Right. It's one thing Correct. if you guys were by yourself, but I mean, he's got his kid with him. So, you know, yeah. And I don't know. Um, and I forget what year we had the bench clearing brawl. I think that might have been. Was that, I don't know if it was the first year or second year. Might have been the first year because Topper would have been involved. I bet. I bet Jay, Jay from Iowa probably knows. So I'm sure he'll he'll comment here in a second of what year it was. Yeah, because because um, I'll never forget there was a five on five. And I was on the bench at the time. There was the five on five, and then they were getting all the penalties situated and whatever. And Travis Tucker was in the penalty box, and then he was getting thrown out of the game. So they were escorting him by their bench to the to the far corner. Before we used to come before we used to go to the far corner to go the visitor side, that was to go to our locker room. Now they have us coming out by the Zamboni. But um, I remember like two guys started chasing uh, Tuck down in the corner before he was getting off the ice. And I saw that and I jumped out and I sprinted down the corner and I just buried a guy into the, into the boards and I was standing over him. And there was a video of it because channel eight news had a good video of it. And for, <laughs> I, and, and I had great footage of it, but it got lost in, in the move somewhere. It got lost somewhere in my travels. Um, but I, I buried the guy into the, into the boards Foreign boards and I'm standing over him and he's not moving he's just curled up in a little ball and now all the benches are cleared so after a while I, I, I leave that guy and I'm standing I'm standing behind the net area and I don't know who this kid is at the time and I know him now and I'll never forget him but anyway so at the time I didn't know who this kid was and so I'm like you know you know, you know we're having words now, Hugo knows him. Hugo Prue does know him, and he's in between. He's like, Howie, don't. He goes, no, Howie. He goes, you don't want to do this one. He goes, don't. I'm like, I'm like, fuck. I, fuck. My adrenaline's already, like, through the wall. I'm ready right. to go with anybody. So I, I back off to center ice. Like, you know, come on. And nobody came out of the nobody came out of that group of people. So I'm standing out there, and I'm like, all right. So now I, I kind of work my way back in. And then sure enough, I turn and look to my left and it's that guy. And I'm like, yeah, fuck, let's go now then. And sure enough, we just start pounding the piss out of each other. I dropped him, picked him up. Wanted, I wanted to kill him. I wanted to knock him out. So I hit him with a few good ones. He, he's hitting me the whole time. We had, It was a good fight. Um, I dropped him. I picked him up. We get going again. You know, uh, and um, at the end of it all, at the end of it all, everything gets broken up, and I'm walking off the ice. He's he's in front of me. I think he's missing a couple of teeth. I think he's we're both broke noses, cut everywhere. So I said, "Hey, good good fight, good bout." And he turns and looks at me. He goes, "Yeah, no, how he was fucked. That was a great fight." So the the coach, uh, what's his name? I forget who it was at the time, but the coach was skiing. Like, "Hey, how he goes? Pretty tough kid, huh?" And I go, yeah. I go, who the fuck is he? He goes, it's Brent Brent Darty. <laughs> Brent Darty. He goes, he used to fight Probert and Juniors all the time. I go, yeah. No, he's a tough kid. It was a great fight. 
Now, if anybody finds that foot, now Brent sent it to me. Brent, Brent and I are friends on Facebook. He sent me a copy of it, but his footage is kind of all grainy and almost black and white. Right. Um, and, I, and I wish I had that Channel 8 footage because um, uh, Rich Henkels, who was doing sports for them at the time, gave me a copy, a tape of it and said, hey, you might want this for your collection. And it was, it was a great, it was a great fight. And like I said, I dropped him a couple of times, and I, but I was like, I picked him up because I wanted to, I wanted to knock him out. He was still, you know, that's how much emotion though. There was so much emotion between those two teams. And when you had that situation happen, you know, and, and you don't see a lot of bench clearing brawls anymore. No, well, you know, especially there now. There's just, there was just so much emotion, you know? Um, but yeah, no, that was, that was, that was one of my favorite fights. Yeah, that was one of my favorite ones. And like I said, there's, it's, it's not, I don't know where the footage is. <laughs> yeah. It, all that old colonial league footage. It's like, uh, I mean, some of it's out there a lot of the times. Well, what pisses me off too is sometimes you'll see some footage and it'll be like, you know, the game film or whatever. It's the broadcast. I don't know whatever assholes work in the fucking camera, but it'll be like, Oh, like this is a great fight going on. You hear the announcer going in the, the camera. They don't even zoom in on the damn thing. So all you see is two little dots in the fucking, like in the far corner, just going at it. We're like, Oh shit. Like what kind of footage is this? So, Oh yeah. The old colonial league footage is you know, few and far between. Um, especially that like UHL stuff is a little bit easier to find. Not, not all of it, but especially the old colonial. Well, if league. you think about, if you think about the time, like everybody's got cell phones, like the, the, the yeah, exactly. The social media and, and, and the, and the stuff that you can get a hold of now, it's, it's so much easier than oh, yeah, back instant. in the day because our games weren't televised. We didn't have a lot of shorts, you know, our closed, whatever, I don't know, um, coverage. Yeah. Where, people are going to have this footage. Now, if there's a fight, people got their phones up and they're like, what, you exactly. know, get, they got the whole thing and it gets put on YouTube or it gets put on whatever. I mean, no, I mean, believe me, I, I had a, I had a lot of fights um, where I wish, I wish there was footage up. When I first started my first, when I first turned pro, my original plan was to um, get game tapes after nights I had fights and whatever, get game tapes and copy them. Well, I partied a little bit too much. I, I ended up partying more than I thought I was going to as a pro. So that became more of like, ah, I'll get to it another time. And I never did anything, you know, I never, yeah. I never did anything. Some of the fights that I have, some of those fights that I had with the Providence Bruins is because Mark Kumpel made, made a tape for us for the guys who fought Mark Kumpel would make, you know, some footage and give them to the guys, you know, right. but um, other, other than that, back in the day, unless, you know, unless you were like, you know, in the NHL or, you know, a televised IHL or AHL game or, you know, a televised game, there's, you know, unless you went and got your own footage from the game tapes. Yeah. Or some you know, asshole you, comes in with a recorder and or a uh, camcorder at the time and, you know, records it, you know, it's, you're not getting much out of it. Um, hold on real quick. I just I got, got, I, oh, just, go I just got a message. I got, I just got a message across my phone. Angie, Angie Hubbard, her and her husband, Ed, are, are watching the show and they're, they're loving it. So. Oh, beautiful. I love it. Well, I, I have to laugh at Trevor send messaging uh, or comments. And then let's see. Oh, okay. I, oh, I always laugh. The comments are some of the best parts because it always just makes me laugh. And, you know, Jay out in Iowa and Darren on fourth line voice, we just give each other shit the entire time. So center asked me, where's the natty light? Well, because I drink Bush. And, well, you know, up there in Iowa, out there, Bush is like everybody's, you know, the, the rest of the country's Bud Light. Everybody drinks Bud Light or whatever. So Bush up there is what everybody drinks. And so most podcasts, I'm sure you saw last time I was drinking Bush Light. I um, thought we all drank Kugels. I don't even know what the hell that is. 
Center, help me out. I thought Lining 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 Kugel was a big bear up there in the in the Iowa area. They're not from Iowa. I think they're from I don't know Wisconsin I bet, or I bet Jay probably Jay's always he was drinking some blueberry fucking tire rubber IPA or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not so, a big IPA guy. I don't like I don't like the IPAs and the craft beers and all that stuff. I know it's a big thing, but I just drink Bush no. Light. You know the 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 nectar of the gods, as they call it. And Jay, well, well, I guess Sen asked why uh, why I'm not drinking the old Bush Light, and it was Howie on the last live episode. You said uh, you were going to be drinking Crown and Crown and or just I think it was just Crown Straight, not even Crown and Coke. Um, no, just just Crown Straight. No, I, nice and neat. Again, yep. I got, I got to apologize for the lighting, but I blew a circuit in my in the garage where I <laughs> where I'm sitting, and I, it's the only place I can smoke in my house, so. I blew some lighting. I tried to bring a lamp out you know, over there. I tried to bring a lamp out, and I and I where I'm set up is just not really working out. But, so, yeah, but like I said, good. it might be a good thing that people can't see me see my face. Yeah, we got a couple faces made for radio over here. Um, <laughs> but no, you, so you said you were drinking Crown and uh, whatever the other night. So I said I'll I will make sure I bring out some some liquor myself. So tonight I'm drinking. I'll give my my company a shout out here. Peak Contractors. We did a we actually did a um, renovation or we 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 built a brewery for a or excuse me not even a brewery a distillery for a company down here um, in Florida and they made our own our very own liquor for us. It's there's they've never made anything else and it's like the most delicious rum I've ever had. I'm not a rum drinker. I drink whiskey all the time and this stuff is insanely good and jay you're lucky because i'm actually i'm driving up this year for iowa me and jay will go to we'll go to games out in uh, quad city if i go up there i don't think there's any games this year unfortunately from when i go up there for the holidays but i'll be bringing a bottle of it so you can taste it so jay can get a little little taste of what peak reserve tastes like well i know like going back to talking about going up to quad cities i know um like i talked to glenn stewart a lot i still talk to travis tucker glenn stewart mark mcfarland a lot and then you know periodically some other players um, but, uh, those three are probably the most that I'm in, in touch with, uh, still. And, um, you know, you know, congratulations to all, you know, all you guys, um, that the top 25 for the 25th anniversary stuff. And I told Stewie, I said, I'd love to get out there because I didn't make it to the last reunion, which kind of sucked. There was a little bit more financial reasoning bef- behind all that. Um, and believe it or not, Jacques Mayotte, um, who, who and him and I became pretty good friends through Facebook and have shared some stories. And, and uh, he was actually ready to give me one of his uh, frequent flyer flights to get out there, there you go. which I thought was re- really cool for a guy who, who never played with me, but, you know, kind of, you know, share the same passion and, you know, a, a, a town and a city that was, that was good to both of us for that matter. Um, so I really wanted to get out there and I couldn't. Um, but I told Stewie, I go, if things work out, you know, and they do, they do do something. I mean, I'd love to come out just to see all the guys anyway, because there's a lot of good guys on that list. Um, guys that I played with and, uh, again, any excuse to go out and see some friends and that I have out there would be fun. I'd like to play golf out there at Palmer Hills with, with, with John and Butchie and, uh, Mark Ruthie, those guys out there at, uh, at Palmer Hills. So 
a free plug. I want to get free free golf now. There you go. Get to get you some free golf. Make them <laughs> make them buy a round on you. Um, and so, well, it's funny that you mentioned that alumni thing. And I've actually had Jacques on the podcast, and that was a lot of fun interviewing the mailman. And I remember seeing pictures yeah. of that out of the alumni. He had that like Ovechkin style, like super mirrored visor or whatever for the alumni game that they were having. I think even Toporowski's messing with them, throwing a body check on Mayotte. So it looked like a whole lot of fun and. It's crazy, like, um, you know, minor pro hockey comes and goes in some cities, but I think the Quad Cities will always have minor league hockey, whether it's the Storm or whatever, and I know they had the, the Flames there for a second, but I, I don't think any any team that comes up in the Quad Cities will ever compare to what the, the old UHL slash, you know, Colonial League Mallards brought to, to the city at the time, because it was like, it's an atmosphere like no other at that time. I I think, and, and, and I say this, you know, um, like I said, I was fortunate to play in places like Cincinnati, where we would we would get ten thousand people, and and the and the town Cincinnati is a major league sports town. They treated us just as big as the Reds and the Bengals, and it was it was such a great place to play. And Quad Cities was just like that. I mean, you know, back in the day, we get ten thousand people every night. Um, everywhere we went, we were treated so so kindly by everybody and accepted and. And we had a bunch of good guys that were like, you know, respectful, respectful for the most part in the community. Um, and it was just, it just, it was a good situation for everybody. And, and, and I think, you know, you guys, just, well, you're not, are you still in Quad Cities? Or I heard you're in Florida. No, I'm in Fort Myers now. I, I'm actually visiting Quad Cities this winter. I, I go back every other winter. I used to go up every summer so that I'd always catch Mallard's games while I was up there. Um, I lived in the Quad Cities till I was about two years old. Um, but my earliest memories, it's funny, is the little the Quad City Mallards. And my aunt was in the chat not too long ago, but her and my uncle are the ones who got me in there um, at an early age for getting into hockey. And I'd have to go back real quick, but my aunt my aunt had said something, and it was about one of the refs. And let me see, what was it here? I just got to go back to it. It's not too far up on the chat. Um, but still, yeah, I would attend games when I was a young age. Oh, yeah, when it was uh, about the refs, she said, yeah, of course it was Harrison. <laughs> um, so I, I always attribute my my obsession with hockey and my love for fighting. Well, fighting came a little bit later, but my, my love for hockey for sure is definitely attributed to them. So um, I got to thank them and probably, you know, my wife is probably cursing them because I'm so obsessed with fucking hockey. But um <laughs> So yeah, we go oh, to the games all the time there. But yeah, right now I'm down here in Fort Myers, Florida. I will tell you a funny story. Talking going back to referees and, and Brad Barton going after Absolutely. George Harrison. Um, I have to confess, now that my career is so far gone and nobody can get in trouble anymore. So we were playing a playoff game in Quad Cities, and I forget who we were playing against. Um, uh, but it was a playoff game. And uh I remember I was coming down on the off wing. And I was going to like look like I was going to try to dump it in, and I went to uh, try to like like shoot it on net, like wind up like I'm going to dump it in, and but shoot it on net coming off my offside. Well, I shanked it into like the Zamboni doors, like way <laughs> like way way right. It was it was so it was just horribly embarrassing, and I was so like pissed, and I I took a sharp turn to go back up ice the other way and I was going to hit anything that was in my way and Jim Norkway Jim Norkway was the referee who was always in great shape looked like a porn star though he had the porn like blonde hair long blonde <laughs> hair porn 
corn mustache, you know, and, you know, built pretty good. Like, you know, but he was a pretty boy. Sorry, Jim. But, uh, <laughs> and I took his legs out from under him. Like I hit him. I took his legs out from under him. My skates hit his skates and probably could have avoided that, but didn't. But while he's flying on his back, he's blowing his whistle, pointing at me that I'm out. You're out. And I had, to, I, you know, Howard Cornfield, uh, Richard Brosell, who was the commissioner at the time, and 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 then and the people, and he was working. Well, he was with the President Casino, and the President Casino was always good to me. Um, but I, I had to. I, I was like, I didn't mean it. I turned, and it, I, I didn't before I could react. He was just there. And I, I have to confess that I probably could have avoided that. <laughs> but I was so like just saw red that I was gonna hit the first thing I saw. And it just happened to be Jim. So Jim, you made the you made the right call and, and thank you, Kamish, for not suspending me. Because I could have been I could have easily been suspended for the rest of the like the rest of the playoffs. And and I believe that was the first year. Well, it was one of those, you know, it was accidentally on purpose. So, you know, it's all, all, all It's the all the now. heat of the game. Exactly. It's all the heat. It's, it's an emotional game. And anybody who's played hockey at a high level, it's a very emotional game. And some of us don't control our emotions very well sometimes. <laughs> oh, I, man. I feel like this has been a whole confessional. This is, is this really just a confessional? Yeah, maybe that's talking, what it is. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about a lot of things that have been built up for a while and I can't let out and I'm just letting it out. Hey, well, everybody's hearing it here first on the Five for Fighting show, so at least I get to the breaking news out to the hockey world is here on the show, at least. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see what the repercussions of this are from. I'm like, oh boy, what did I, what did I do now? Yeah, all four people in a burglar that listen to the show over here. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, we'll no. give we'll give Spit and Chicklets a run for their money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think you're. I think you run. I think you run a great show. I love how relaxed it is, and. Um, you know, very, very, very professional. You know, I, I know it took us a while to get this to get to this spot. You that's know? that's one hundred percent on me talked, with me going on the hiatus and everything like that because I I was yeah, at a point where months I was ago working. and I'm like yeah. this guy just completely blew me off. He, no, he called no. me, wanted to do his show, and now he <laughs> blew me off. I felt so bad because I did the. I, it was you and Rob Volterra, and I interviewed uh, Volterra because I had gotten in contact with him uh, before, right before I got in contact with you, and I felt so bad because I was like, fuck, I really gotta. I got to do the show with those two guys. Those are got to be my first two interviews back because I told him I wanted to come on. And uh, it was just with, with I was with the uh, the job site I had at the time because uh, I, I work in contracting. I just didn't know what my hours were going to be. The job site itself was an hour away. And I had done it before when I, I have done interviews on the show. And I, I try to like prepare as much as I can. Um, like I go like through hockey DB line by line on like your, like your career. Like everybody like write down teammates, fights if possible. Um so I, it's not like I just do a quick Wikipedia, like, you know, Howie Rosenblatt. Oh, okay. What was it like playing in this style? Like, and, you know. Yeah, no, no, you stuff. definitely, have, you definitely, you know, you do your homework. And, and, and honestly, earlier this afternoon, because I knew we were doing the show tonight and I haven't caught all the shows right now, but I, I actually listened to a lot of that Rob Volterra uh, interview. Mm-hmm. I, I probably heard at least an hour and a half of it anyway. Um, and, you know, I, I played against Rob when he, when he was with the BC Icemen. And, um, you know, uh, but I, everything everything that he was saying was like, yeah, he, we're the same type of player, I think. 
Right. You know, it seems like we were like a lot alike, you know, and uh, I thought it was, that was a good interview. Well, it's funny because with the podcast, you know, it's called Five for Fighting and it focuses on, you know, tough guys and enforcers. It doesn't always have to be about fighting, though. It's like uh, people don't understand. And I, I, I understand, like, I get it that people enjoy spit and shakelets because it's the NHL level. It's the highest level of hockey that they that they interview there. But I don't think people really get a full grasp on minor pro hockey and just how like of a different world it is compared to the NHL. Um, so like, like myself and then, uh, Darren at the fourth line voice. So we, I think we, we both gravitate towards, you know, the minor, minor league players or minor pro hockey, um, a lot more, and especially you being with quad city and minor pro hockey is what I grew up on, um, until right. about Oh two ish. I think when, when we moved to Tampa and then I became a lightning fan, but even then every winter, like I said, I'd go back and I'd, I'd go to a bunch of, a uh, bunch of Mallard games as much as we could. So I think it's a lot more fun. It's the more nitty gritty side of hockey. And I don't mean to like it's it's like almost like slap shot esque where you see all the shenanigans that kind of happen in slap shot that go on off ice. I don't think people understand that it's it's got some realism to it uh, in the minor pro oh, world, absolutely. at least. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And, and you know, they're, 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 I mean, in Quad Cities alone, we got into some shenanigans a lot, and and I and I had a lot of good times. I mean, I, I you know, I mean, I played hard on the ice, but off the ice, I I was a partier. I had fun. Um, didn't miss didn't miss a beat off the ice, so to speak, when it came to like partying and being at functions and doing whatever. Um, but I, I mean, the funny the funny story is, um, I think Craig Cooper did that book about the Mallards, um, and I forget the name of the book. And obviously, the years of there's a lot of years now that have there have been Mallards teams since that book, I believe. But um, but John Anderson in his page he talks about an incident, one of the funniest things that he saw in hockey, an incident that occurred in, with John Batten and I in a wheelchair. Uh, a wheelchair was involved at, at the President Casino at, at like two in the morning, um, and I I don't want to get into all the details because I don't remember them all that well. <laughs> But it had to do with me being in a wheelchair, trying to get into the casino at two in the morning when they weren't letting anybody else in. Um, and John's pushing the wheelchair and the security guards stop us and whatever. And somehow I fall out of the wheelchair and stand up and John starts yelling and screaming, you know, it's a miracle. Praise the Lord. He can walk. <laughs> so, this, but this, so this whole thing's on videotape. And again, I don't tell funny stories, so I apologize for like people who will watch and be like, "What the hell's he talking about?" But if you read the book and or you you know the story, it was one of the funniest moments. And uh, and John was a character himself. So, but uh, yeah, no, we we got in trouble for that because um, I was I was I had a little uh, VIP host contract with the with the casino at the time. And oh, great, you know. So this is all on videotape. And so John Anderson and Matt Shaw, Howard Cornfield are in the office and they're like, Howie, John, you need to go into coach's office. So we go in there, we sit down and they got the videotape and they put it in. Now Howard's bullshit. John, John's sitting there trying not to laugh. <laughs> and so they put the video in they're like, what are you guys doing? Like, this is a big time sponsor of our team. Howie, you're, you're on a contract with them as a host. You know, what are you guys doing? This could cost us our spot. You know, and uh, so we're trying to take like a serious moment, like a funny moment and try to be serious about it. And Howard's pissed. 
So we're just like, sorry, no, we, we, you know, we were out having a good time. We didn't mean anything by it, blah, blah, blah. So we leave and John's like, guys, stay here for a minute. So we, Howard leaves. So we're just sitting there. He's like, that might've been the funniest shit I ever seen. <laughs> he goes, you two fucking guys. He goes, honestly, he goes, that might've been the funniest shit. And he talks about it in the book. Cause there's a page all of John Anderson about his time in Quad Cities. And he talks about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that was, that was, we had fun off the ice. We had fun off the ice, um, hanging out at some of the places like halftime and some of the, like I was, a, I was a regular down at Max Tavern cause I would go there. I would smoke my cigars, have my crown Royal and, and just kind of be able to sit at the bar and relax with all the guys down there. And, uh, it was, I love the place. I mean, I, I could have easily settled there as well. You know, I could have settled there as, as well. Um, Cincinnati and Quad Cities, definitely the two best places. And here I am in Rhode Island. But I mean, I, I would never leave my job as a firefighter because it's the best thing that happened to me after hockey, for sure. You know, and I think all the guys that, that were, you know, hockey players and, and some of us fighters that got into that line of work, they know what I'm talking about. It's, it's just, it's, it's what we miss. You know, I think that's, that's, you know, things we can't do on the ice anymore. We know we're doing something positive and we're helping. And it's a team camaraderie. I think that's the biggest part of it, you know. So, but uh, yeah, no, that was just one of the. I just wanted to throw that in there real quick when we were talking about oh, some sure. stuff. Off the uh, I do have one. I do have another story though. My days in Providence. Yeah, go ahead. Because this, this, this is probably like I've never been hired to fight. I don't think anybody's even told me to go out because again, listening to to Rob Velter's, uh interview and stuff you know and, and i think he was talking about him and uh vandermeer being you know sent down the like, sent in the ice his coach is telling him like we don't want to get the crowd involved and he's sent out there on the first shift and he's lined up against vandermeer in philadelphia and he's like well what am i supposed to do <laughs> you know and right. uh but you know you know you have a role to do so i was i was actually after my my dad passed away and I, while i was home well, after the season was ended, after after uh, Greensboro had lost to Richmond, so I didn't get to play anymore, I went back and the Pete Bruins were playing Albany River Rats because Rob had talked about Matt Rutke. Yep. So Truck, Truck and I were friends because we went on a team over to Europe together a few years before that, and we were good friends. And um, so I'm in the stands watching the Pete Bruins play Albany River Rats in a playoff game. Now, Mark, Mark Potvin's out. Um, there's like two or three of their tough guys were all been injured and, 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 and Matt and Rucky's running around. And, and again, his nickname's truck for a reason. The kids like, he's a big guy and he hits hard, you know, he hits hard. So, um, I guess, uh, Ed Anderson, who was the president of the Bruins at the P P Providence Bruins at the time finds out that I'm there in the stands. And this was like two or three years after I've been playing for the P Bruins. And so he finds out that I'm there in the stands. So one of the office guys finds, like, sees me and like comes up to me after the, like, right before the end of the second period. He's like, "Hey, Howie, um, Ed Anderson wants you to see you up in his wants you to see him up in his suite. Wants to talk to you." So I'm like, "All right." So I say to my girlfriend at the time, "I'm like, hey, listen, I'll be I'll be back. You there? Yep, I'm good. All right. Um, I said I'll be back." I'll, you know, I'm going to go up and see him. So I go watch the third period with him. And he's, so he's talking to me like he's like, listen, he goes, I want you to watch the third period with me. 
He goes, you see that guy out there, number so-and-so? I don't remember what number truck was wearing at the time. He goes, he goes I'm going to pay you. I want you to play tomorrow night in Albany. And I'll pay you $300 for the game. <laughs> and I'll give you $100 every time you fight him. So I'm sitting there like, wait, what? I go, I'm not even on your roster. How the hell is, how can I become, like, all of a sudden I'm going to play? He's, he's like, listen, he goes, you're going to have $300. You're going to have the best seat in the house. You're going to be on the bench, and, and you're going to go out there, and every time you're out there, I want you to fight him, and I'll give you an extra $100 on top of it. I'm like, what, what, what kind of proposition is this? Now, I've been in and out of the Bruins organization for three years now, and all I want is a contract so I can just be, a, be, a, be on the team. And I'm like, Ed, I go, Ed, I don't even have my sticks with me or anything like that. He goes, you don't need your sticks. You don't need a stick. I want you to fight him. Now, now I know, I know Matt. So like, I'm in this whole like indecent proposal type of thing. And I'm like, this is, do do I lower myself to to say yes? Or do I stand (laughs) tall and be like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Well, I wanted to play so bad. And I said, well, listen, I go, Ed, can you at least give me a contract for next year? If I do this, can you give me a contract for next year? You already know what I'm capable of doing as a player and, and, and what I'm willing to do for the team. And you know I can't do that, Howie. But are, are you going to do this or not? We'll put, your, we'll put your girlfriend up in the hotel across the street at the Holiday Inn or whatever it was, a Hilton, I don't know. And I'm like, fuck. I'm like, all right, yeah. I, that was the first time I ever felt like a hockey whore. Right. Getting, so, getting tricked out in Providence. <laughs> so so I go down, so I go down to the locker room after the game. And the guys like Jeff Sorowick and a few guys that I knew that were on the team. So they're like, they're like, hey Holly, what's going on? I'm like, hey guys, you know, whatever. So the trainers, equipment guys get me all my shit. They get a bag for me. Now now we're in the bus underneath the underneath the building where, where the bus takes off from. So I'm on the bus and I'm sitting there talking to Jeff Sorowick. So we're, we're bullshitting about Cincinnati and, 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 you know, the Bruins and different things. And all of a sudden the bus starts, you know, bus starts moving. And he's like, he goes, Howie, what the fuck? He goes, you gotta get off. Don't you gotta get off? And I'm like, no, I go, Jeff, I go out. I'm playing tomorrow night. And he's looking at me like, he goes, what? He goes, what the fuck and he knows some of my stories from cincinnati and some different stuff so he's like you need to write a book he goes this is fucking insane (laughs) now i'm thinking now now i'm starting to think as we're going up 146 to go towards albany i'm thinking like all right this is a practical joke they're gonna pull over on on the rest stop and be like you know one of those video practical joke shows turns out no i'm up there i'm playing i don't see a shift the whole game and matt rutke like they see me in warmups and they're looking like they're like, Howie, what are you doing here? I was like, <laughs> uh, that's a good question. So now they, they know I'm there probably for one reason. And so Matt Rutke, actually that game was, was pretty quiet. So I didn't see a shift at all. And with about four minutes to go in the game, Matt, or no, I'd say six minutes left in the game. Matt gets a 10 minute misconduct for, calling the ref whatever on an offsides call so i don't know i don't know if that was intentional or he just was like what i don't know i don't know i mean matt and i are friends but um so now they put like you know steve casper's the head coach and there's like three minutes to go in the game 
Steve's like, Howie, you want to get a playoff game in? You want to get, you know, you can get, you know, it'll show up as a playoff game. I'm like, I don't know. What, yeah, sure, whatever. I'm not going to say, you know, you're not going to say no. Right. So I said, yeah. I said, yeah, no, that's fine. Now we're up like five to two. Like we, we, we were winning five to two. So I turned around and look at him. I said, okay, I'm going out next shift, right? Do you, do you want me to grab somebody? I'm like, I'm like, am I going out there to fight? I go, do you want me, who do you want me to grab? And he's laughing. He goes, no, no, Howie, we're up 5-2. It's only like three or four minutes left in the game. Just just go out there and play. So I go out there. I'm just like, oh, I'm just playing. I ring one off. I come down the right side. I, I let one rip. I ring it off the post, which I thought was like, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> now I'm trying to get off the ice, and they won't let me off the ice. I'm, I'm, so, I'm beat. I'm dead beat. And they're like, no, stay out there, Howie. Stay out there. I'm like, you guys are fucked. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that was the first time I've ever been in a situation where I was actually hired to go out and fight some person. Right. Yeah. You were like the hired gun for that, that evening. And the only reason why is because I was sitting in the stands because I'm sure they can get a bigger, tougher guy than me. <laughs> but I just happened to be at the game that night when they were leaving the next morning and it was a quick fix. <laughs> just put a put a quick bandaid on it <laughs> yeah i'm like and i'm friends with truck so i'm like i get i'm not i'm not i mean it was it was just like it's one thing when you have a commitment to the guys you played with all year long right but to not even be with that team at all and then in a playoff game like okay you're gonna go on the bench and sit there and you're gonna go out and fight someone now granted i know there's a lot of guys out there that played that role and had that role and hats off to them because every at the back in the day Everybody needed a guy like that, but I was never that guy. I never was put in that role. I mean, I, I just went out and played and everything took care of itself. Right. That's, but, what's, yeah. that's what's crazy to me is, and, um, Volterra spoke on this a bit and it was like his first game with, um, uh, who was it with Rockford? He goes out and like goes toe to toe with Vasute out at center ice and, you know, cuts him open. He's like, that was my first game with Rockford. I'm like, dude, holy shit. Like you, uh. You get traded there. You don't even know these guys, and you go out there and you just put on a fucking absolute show, and it was insane. But that's that's one thing I I don't think people grasp with with hockey players either is like like even in that situation where you're with Providence, like you could be with a team all year, get your call up, and you still got to go out and you got to throw down because you're you're that might be your one shot. That's that's the only opportunity you get to show you know scouts or the brass what you got. So. It's like the mental aspect of the role that you had and other guys is just, it's, it's insane to even think about. Well, I will say this and I, and I think I can speak for a lot of our, the guys that have played the role. This is what we have. This is, this is, this is what, <laughs> this is what, this is what got me through every one of those situations. And I'm not going to sit here and say that that was the best thing because I mean, I know there's a lot of guys who are recovering alcoholics and that are doing very well for themselves and stuff, but you know, people ask me all the time, how do you, when you know you're going in, like, you know, and I'm going to go back to like the days when I was with Cincinnati, my rookie year. And, you know, I got in a fight the night before with whoever, my knuckles are all carved up and I'm going into Columbus the next night into Columbus with, with these, these, these six to seven major league tough guys that they had, you know, you have to, you can't, you can't not fight. Right. You can't take, job. you can't you can't take a night off if that's your role, you know, and yep. and uh it was it was I, I went through a lot of uh what was it second skin, whatever the liquid liquid skin. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I put because I couldn't put my gloves on because the knuckles were all carved up 
I couldn't put my gloves on because every time I rubbed, it would just pull the scabs right off. And it just, you know, so you, you get that liquid skin, you're just, you're painted on there and, you know, but you, you have to, you have to do it. And, and again, like not again, this is going to sound horrible, but it's the truth. And, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this for all the guys that I love that I, that I respect guys that I don't know, but I love them for what they do and the, and the way they played. And we all know how we approach the game. You know, alcohol was was a big part of what gets us through. Because we don't think, you don't want to think, you just do it. Um, and 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 I'm sorry for all my friends. And and I've had some candid conversations with. And I'm not going to say with which guys because that's wouldn't be right. But right. you know, when people get stuck on the painkillers, and you mix it with the alcohol, it's a, it's a bad mix. It's a bad mix. And, you know, I've dealt with my concussions and I'm going to, I'm going to say this because this is a positive thing. Guys like Jacques Mayotte and a few other guys have been very, very helpful as far as trying to overcome, because there was a while there where I struggled, where I didn't understand what was going on. Why, why was I feeling the way I was feeling? What was going on with my moods? What was going on with my, it's frustrating when you can't remember something. Right. It's frustrating with, with the emotional ups and downs and stuff like that. And I know we're taking it on a serious note, but you know what? I'm glad I'm, I, you know, at least I have an opportunity to, to express it. No, for sure. And, it should be talked about. And, and, and because of Facebook and because of social media, I've gotten in touch with guys like Jacques Mayotte and a few others that have, we, where we've had conversations to comfort each other and, and, and some, you know, and other situations where, okay, I, I recognize it now. So it doesn't bother me as much. I'm in a much better place because of it. But I will say this. Um, I'm glad I never did take painkillers. I'm glad I never got hooked on them. I barely take ibuprofen when I have to. You know, and I, and um, this, I love this because this, this keeps me happy. <laughs> I think everybody, <laughs> Listen, a lot of people I love could, it. Some people, some people are not good drinkers. You know, and, and it's just the way we're made up. But fortunately for me, and I'm saying this on social media, which is crazy, but no, no, this is what this is what relaxes me. And, and, and I've always been a happy, outgoing, you know, person who has their drinks. No, you know, but sure. I know I, I know a lot of us. I know a lot of us struggle with certain um, addictions and different things. And you know, I mean, there's always guys out there that are willing to help us or help you, for that matter. Not you personally, Alec, but you whoever oh, right. we're talking to um but yeah no social media and the facebook and the guys the tough guys and the fighters the guys that had to go in and out every night and deal with the pressures and the stress i mean i think we'd all rather be goal scorers and and not get hit and have somebody else protect us all the time be a much easier career <laughs> um but we also we all admit to it i think we can all admit to it we did it because we loved it we love the game. We want to play at the highest levels. And if that was what our role was going to be to be there and we had, we had a place on a team, it was all well worth it. No, absolutely. So. And I, I think, you know, Darren's podcast with, with the name fourth line voice really says it the best. And, um, you know, I'd be guilty if I didn't say I piggyback off of Darren's podcast a little bit. And Darren has helped me out tremendously and we're both great friends. Um, and he even helped me find you a little bit of your fight card here, uh, you know, during the interview. And it's it's really a shame that people if you ever look on Twitter or even like NHL Facebook, you look back and 
you know, they'll see players like Probert, Twist, and whoever. Oh, they're just they're just goons. They're dummies. They don't know what they're talking about, or that you know they they can't play hockey. It's, it's uh, people just don't understand the role. And uh, like I said, his podcast has a best with, with you know being fourth line voice, and it gives guys like yourself or you know. Rob Volterra, Jacques Mayotte, Mark McFarlane, whom I've had on, it gives them a platform to actually give their side of the story and what the game was like back then. Especially like you said, you know, you had concussions and there might be, you know, guys have painkiller issues. This was, I mean, we're talking circa 1999 and earlier. There was no understanding of that. So it's, um, it should be, it should be brought to light of what you guys went through and, um, the role you guys had, because you know, people just see this fighter and they just think, oh, he's a big dummy or, you know, stupid and blah, blah, blah. And the list goes on for all the I can't tell you the amount of like idiocy that goes on in social media. And I'm sure you've seen it a little bit. And thank God you probably don't have Twitter because it's just a fucking nightmare. No, I don't. I don't. No, I don't have Twitter. Yeah, don't, I, don't, don't I mean, get on listen, it. I, I, get, I get everybody. Everybody's going to have their opinions and different things. Um, but, you know, I, I think everybody who's played the game. And you, and you can ask the greatest Wayne Gretzky and all those guys. Um, they 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 have an appreciation for that role. Yep. Um, and 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 every town I played in, and everywhere I've like everywhere I've gone, um, I hear the same things, and it's it's and it's a great compliment. And I think all the other guys get the same compliments because we run in the same pack we're the most humble, nicest guys off the ice. Yeah, it's true. You know, you know, um, and we're the most caring people, but that's why we do what we do because there's a reason why we do it. Not because we're just pugilists and we don't care and we're reckless. Now I'm not going to say there's not guys out there like that. Right. But, but you know what though? I mean, there's a heart inside that's deep and and a big heart. And And these guys who do that role is because they have a big heart. And they want their protectors, you know, they'll be the ones that are going to coddle a baby and take a picture with the baby. You know, um, I, I, there was a game in Cincinnati and, and, I, and it just reminded me of this. And it was a change is a changing moment in my career. I was in Cincinnati. It was the IHL game. We got beat like eight to one by San Diego. They were stacked. All NHL guys, Ron Dugay, John Anderson, uh, Tony McKegney, um, a, n- a number of like NHL guys at the end of their career were playing. They, they beat us like eight to one. And I, I played horrible. I, I was just, you know, you have nights, you have nights. Right. I, I was horrible, played horrible. And so in Cincinnati, there's usually about at least a hundred people or so outside the locker room waiting for autographs and pictures. And, you know, me, you know, I, there was always, there was always, you know, people that were like, you know, Howie, can we get a picture? You know, we were, autograph and and i i just i that was just one of those nights where i yeah i didn't want to go to the bar i just wanted to go home i was just like you know what i don't want to talk to anybody i just want to go home so i tried to i tried to avoid everybody walking through the crowd and keep my head down and just kind of sneak out and this this woman stopped me got, like i couldn't go any further because she was standing right in front of me and she's like my daughter, she's like this little four-year-old girl. She's like, my daughter's your biggest fan. Would you be kind enough to get a picture with her? I, I just, I was like, and, and, and it started out like this. Yeah, sure, no problem. So I get down on my knee. I, I prop her up on my, on, my, on my knee. 
and she puts her arms around me. We, we smile for a couple pictures. And then she turns to me and she's like, I know you guys didn't win tonight, but you're still my favorite. And right then, nothing mattered. You know what I mean? Right. The game didn't matter. There was, there was something bigger than the game. The game did not matter anymore. And, and I was just like, wow. Like, that was just like a whole change of everything. I was like, you know what? There's things bigger than the game. You know, and the fact that this girl, you know, didn't care if we won or lost. She still loved us. And she, you know, I'll never forget that day. That was my second year pro. And I'll never forget that day. And, and to me, that's why it's important not to turn away fans because without the fans, we're nobody anyway. If you think about it, our, everything we do is because of that the, the, there's fans, right? You know, we make a living because there's fans, you know, I, I play, you play in a bear league. And, you know, there's no fans. That's why you're not getting paid. I mean, I got, I got my you wife know? watching me, but I mean, other than that, no. <laughs> well, you well, in a sense, you're getting paid. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, it's 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 just not uh, not not currency. <laughs> it's a little something else. <laughs> well, I know, know she. I, I know can... she's watching this in the living room. She's probably like you, motherfucker. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm. I don't know your wife's name, but I'm sorry, hon. But you know, nature's credit card can go a long way. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, but honestly, you know, you know. That's why some of the athletes that I see today with the egos and, and feel like, you know, some of the things that go on, you right. know, without the fans, you're nobody. So don't don't act like you're bigger and better than the fans, because without those fans, your your ego, everything doesn't exist. No, for sure. And that's why I'm glad, like, you know, my podcast exists and Darren's and then. Uh, Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles and he does, uh, you know, Islanders, tough guys and guys who are in the club. And it's like, uh, well, that's part of the reason I, I started the whole enforcer appreciation group. And I'd see other like hockey and it, uh, don't get me wrong. It still happens in this group. And I love this group, though. It's a lot of fun. And you see people who are just ignorant to the role and, uh, you know, the job of an enforcer. But it's the whole re- it's in the name enforcer appreciation because it's a it's a role that's not in hockey anymore. Besides maybe like, you know, Ryan Reeves, but who is he really going to fight? He had all of like three fights last year, and that's no disrespect to him. It's just nobody's going to fight him. Nobody um, wants to fight him. Exactly. So it's just uh, it, it's a it's a part of the game that's if it's not already pretty much out of the game, it's really on its way out. And I give it maybe another two years, uh, give or take, especially at the NHL level. So it's just it's unfortunate the way the game has gone. And I get it. Maybe it's for better or worse, depending on who you talk to. But at the same time, uh, the players like yourself and, uh, you know, the McFarlands, the Volteras, guys like that should be appreciated and it should be, um, you know, brought to light. And that's why I'm, I'm very thankful that you're actually doing this podcast with me. I mean, we've been going on for like two and a half hours, just bullshit and drinking, you know, rum and rum and whiskey over there. So, I mean, I can't complain <laughs> at all. And this has been fucking awesome. Uh, I appreciate I appreciate you having me. Honestly, I, I, it's honestly I, it's an honor because, you know, years go by, your career's over. You know, uh, we move on. Life goes on. We have the memories. We appreciate the people that we came across, the friendships that we made, the teammates that we had. But the fact that you guys do this stuff and and that I'm even thought of, to, if I'm even thought of in that in that group and category, then you know that's a, then I feel like I was, I, you know, I appreciate that and it makes me feel like I did something. I was successful. Well, for sure, because because of guys like you, Toporowski, uh, Nadeau, Goulash, you know, the list goes on with all the the alumni that's out in the Mallards. 
um, you know, because of you guys, it really, I wouldn't have this podcast without you guys because it sparked such an interest in the game of hockey. And, you know, growing up down here in Florida, now it's a little bit different with the lightning, but growing up, you know, it's like I had nobody to talk hockey with. Even now I really don't. And it's, if I was in Tampa, it's a little bit different, but I have nobody to talk hockey with down here. So this is my, this is my escape. This is my outlet to it. Um, this is my chance. You know, you know. Now that I go, if I go back to Quad Cities for an alumni thing, now I got to square off with Goulash. Oh yeah, you have to, and I'll make sure. After, I'll, after, I'll, after, I'll, after, I'll record it. I'll be I there. Said. Yeah, I'll be there after. in the fucking. I'll be there in the sin bin, going live on the Five for Fighting show, getting the the post fight interview with you. Well, hopefully his body's as banged up as I am, because I already had three hip surgeries in the last year and a half. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, I I could be wrong, but I think Goulash, uh, from what I can tell, is. Um, it has taken up bowling now. So I think he's taken up something that's a, little, a lot less hard on the body now. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I mean, with, with all that being said and, and some of the things, and I'm not backtracking on anything of my feelings, but you know what? Things happen. I'd rather have a bear with some former guys, teammates, opponents, talk about the good times and not the bad times. Um, you know, cause nothing's going to change now. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Jay says, uh, you know, fans still talk about how he in uh, Quad City all the time. He's definitely one of the favorite Mallards to vet, uh, for the mass majority of fans. So, uh, you, you know, you're definitely you, you st- you've made a name for yourself out there in Quad City. And I know for a fact you're a fan favorite because if not, I wouldn't have asked you to come on either. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, again, like I again, like I said, without the fans, we're nobody. And I had such a, I was I was fortunate again. If, you know, we talked about it at the beginning of the show where I came from, how I got to where I got. Uh, when I wasn't supposed to even go to college, play college hockey, uh, but I had such a passion and uh, and I worked my ass off to get where I had to go, and I had some good people back me and gave me the op- the guys who gave me the opportunity. I'm always grateful and thankful for that. Um, and you know, I had a, listen, you know, for a guy who didn't play in the NHL, I had a great career. I, I and I loved every moment of it, and I'm and I'm glad that I get to meet guys like yourself, other people, and the fans. That those are the most important things. Those are the best times of my life, and they always will be, you know. And uh, again, like I said, um, and the guys who know me know me. They know this is the truth. Without fans, we were nobody. And I was great. I was lucky to play in some good cities and good towns where we we did have good fan support, and we we had a great time. It was a great ride. Absolutely. Well, before I let you go, I gotta I gotta ask you one last question. I like to ask this at the very end of my interviews. Sure. I still got some Crown Royal left. You know, I don't care. We can go three hours. Oh, yeah. I, I'll tell <laughs> so you what. Your, your, wife, your wife's going to be like, you missed the window, Alec. You missed the window. Exactly. Well, fuck, it's a, <laughs> it's a school night over here. So <laughs> um, I'll ask you one last question. And for sure, we de- we definitely got to do this again because I'm sure you got fucking stories for days. And we'll, we'll get on, um, you know, we'll go back live here again and get some people. Uh, you know, talking and bullshit. And we'll, we went on like a Friday night or something. The only reason I had to do this on Friday was I got to go meet uh, my brother-in-law. It's, he's moving out uh, this coming weekend to Arizona. So this is kind of his going away weekend. Otherwise, I would have done this on a Friday where we could really get the get the uh, the crown and rum going and, uh, you know, get some bullshit. Well, I'm, I'm, sing- I'm single again, so you may not catch me on a Friday night. Oh, yeah, you'll be de- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe you'll be down at the casino in the wheelchair again. <laughs> um, if Bats is going to push me around, sure. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, but the last question I always ask everybody is if you had to do it all over again, would you do it? 100%. That's awesome, man. Absolutely. 100%. And, and, and I do it the same way. 
I know we talked about a couple of situations where, you know, maybe I was just young and, and immature as a professional. I would have maybe handled it differently, but no, I, I would, I would, I would play the same way and I would do it the same. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. And well, to those who, uh, you know, tuned in for the live, this is the first ever live episode I've done. And, you know, so how would you got that notch in your boat? You could put that in there that you're the first live interview I've ever done in the enforcer appreciation group. Yeah. Um, I was kind of wondering about that. Cause you told me earlier, like, no, I don't, I usually just tape it. And then I, I thought like, I said it was, oh, oh, I think, yeah, before when he had talked before, um, in Facebook, I think I mentioned that that was before it was literally just today. This is like the first time ever going live in zoom. So I apologize if I left you in the dark there a little bit. So I don't even get like one of those five for fighting like montages. Oh, you're gonna get that because this. Well, well, this is for this is for people who don't. Well, if they tune into it, then more power to them. But this episode will still come out. The, the episode itself won't actually be out until Tuesday. This just goes live in case we get people who want to ask questions. So technically, uh, Tuesday your episode will be out. So you'll still don't. Because you'll, I figured I'll, I'll get a collage. Well, okay. Because <laughs> I figured I'd tell my, like you know, some of my, some of my people and and people that are on my Facebook page, they know. Oh they yeah, you have time. Spread the spread this. the word. Get the people to uh, you know tune into this mud show we got going on down here. I'll get you your you know, if you're lucky. Maybe I might I might print out an eight by ten of it and I'll sign it and send it to you. <laughs> oh, I'll have to I'll have to get a little picture of the of hold on. Let's pull this back down. There you go. Get the, old, the, get... old, the old hockey card. You don't see that anymore. Fucking fight pictures on hockey I'll, cards. I'll have to get you one of these. You'll have to send me your address. I'll get you one of these and I'll send it down to you. Absolutely. I'll add it to the man cave. It'll go up. I got I got plenty of empty space on this wall. Don't tell my wife, though, because she's going to fucking kill me if I put anything on them. <laughs> And I and I apologize for the darkness. This this kind of is oh, hey, probably it's all not- good. This is it, it's enough to where people can hear you and people see everything. You know, you got. I mean, like I said, we both got faces made for radio, anyhow. So it's probably better that way. <laughs> I don't, but can you even see me? Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody can see you. I I was asking if you saw me on my phone at all during the uh, during the interview. I'm asking Jay, uh, you know, up there in Iowa, how's the quality? You know, does it look okay? Um, so I always try to make sure this, uh, cause like I said, this is my first time going live. So I wanted to make sure everything sounded all right. And so far so good. Everybody says it was pretty solid. All right, cool. No, I, I like I said, Alec, I appreciate you having me on there. A lot of respect for you and your show and, and keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. I appreciate it. We'll have to do it again sometime. We'll, we'll, we'll get the liquor pouring again and we'll, we'll bullshit on a Friday <laughs> night. If you're available, of course, if you're available, I know you're a bachelor now. <laughs> Friday, Friday night. We'll see what we can do. Exactly. <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks again for coming on, and I greatly appreciate it, Howie. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it very much. Have a good one, man. You got to fight! Bye. For your right!